we start? We are starting, everybody. Oh, okay, I was like, this got really quiet. No, 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 we're good. Here we are. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Break the Rules live stream. I am your humble host, Love Poliakov at Lovepo on Twitter, and we are here with a uh, wonderful cast to talk about Ted Kaczynski, to talk about Elon Musk, and trying to figure out which is going to be the way of the future. Are we going to follow in the dreams of glory of Elon Musk reaching the stars, things like that? Or are we going to go down the path of clown world that is the prediction of Ted Kaczynski? But before that, uh, some gentle introductions here. Number one, Sneed those super chats. I want to see a lot of super chats today from all the Sneeders who are watching this, and I really appreciate you guys being here. Number two, don't forget to smash that like button, smash the subscribe button, you know the drill, click the bell if you have not done that already. And number three, we have some old comers. We have Verse Laloon, pleasure to see you. In fact, I think... I think you're the only old comer here. The rest, uh, yes, Matt. Yes, I think so, yeah. Yeah, Matt Palmer, you are completely new to this whole thing. Welcome, Matt. And you are a great roboticist. You make robots, which is extraordinary, and it fits really well into this conversation. You were one of the people who did not get uh, Uncle Ted's uh, package in the mail, so you are <laughs> still here uh, with us, uh, thankfully. Uh, I'm, I'm a little young. I'm a little young for that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And we got Chill Fuel. Welcome, Chill Fuel. You are a wonderful Thank YouTuber. You. you make a lot of these great down the rabbit hole iceberg YouTube videos. And guys, highly recommend you check out Chill Fuel channel if you had not done it yet. And we have a newcomer here who is a friend of Verse. And you, in fact, you guys sure. are doing a podcast together, the uh, Verse and Lucas podcast. Welcome, yes. Lucas. All the way from your room. I'm glad Verse was finally able to wrangle you out of the room. So welcome, Lucas. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. So I wonder where we should exactly start. I think we should start with uh, Verse, your thoughts on let's go with Elon Musk first. So before we get into the Elon versus Ted, how do you think Elon Musk is doing right now with Twitter? You are a regular uh, Twitter user. Are you happy yes. with what's been going on? I'm very happy. I'm, I'm so glad he uh, well, mostly uh, Paraga was his name. That guy sucked. So him being removed with a nice payday was really the best thing that ever happened. Elon, at the very least, of all the like billionaires and like public figures, is like kind of the most laissez-faire, right? Like maybe Peter Thiel would have been more, but like no one. Peter Thiel's a little more like socially, like I don't know. He's a little more like he'll he'll he's he'll behave, right? Whereas like Elon's kind of already a meme lord, redditor kind of thing. So he's okay with jokes. He's not gonna make it cringe, ideally. Uh, so it might feel like the old Jack days again, is my does, is my take. Does anybody disagree? I'm not necessarily like fully disagree with it. I think that it's definitely something that we'll have to. I definitely think it's an improvement from where Twitter's like coming from overall. Um, I definitely agree with the last CEO. I don't think he had a full grasp of how to actually utilize it and where like it was going as a platform. But um, I think a lot of it is still up in the air, and that. While like Elon Musk is pretty laissez-faire with, with a lot of things, I think that he is definitely somebody who's opinionated. And I think when, now that he has control of a social platform in some way, I'd like to see if he remains kind of free-minded and free-spirited when people oppose that opinion of him. 
Real quick, do you guys think that what he's doing right now, forcing a lot of the employees to stay there overnight and work on this $8 feature is something that... Well, what do you think, Matt? <laughs> so big. He's not forcing anybody to work overnight. I mean, look up, look up what the total comp is for most for most of these people, and like that, that'll immediately cure anybody of any feelings <laughs> of like of, of sympathy for all this. Like, you know, people are people are out there making quarter million dollars a year. Like, you can pull the night shift periodically. Like, you know, they're dealing with they're dealing with the the deepest task queue in the history of social network software engineering and they're a company that's been shipping features at the slowest pace in the industry for like literally a decade so mm -hmm. <laughs> i guess i'm catching up to doing like you know if 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 you yeah if if, if you end up sleeping in a sleeping bag on the office floor a little bit you know You'll that's okay. that's kind of goes that's kind of goes with the territory that's why they get paid yeah. literal big bucks yeah put some hair on their chest it'll be all right it's kind of absurd that they still exactly. like Twitter's exactly. like the only platform in existence that doesn't pay you for producing content on it in any way, right? Like how how many decades are we into the social media project and we're just now thinking like, oh, what if we paid people who brought other people to the platform? I know, shocker, right? Yeah. <laughs> But to be devil's advocate here, what about some of the would-be Arab Spring people? Like, what about some uh, poor guy who can't afford, you know, anything but the uh, smallest lunch at the counter? You know, what if oh, they? It's have only for blue text. They don't have. It's not the entire feature. Not everyone's paying. It's just that if you want the the, the Twitter blue, which is what all blue text will now fall under, you have to pay eight dollars. But if like you can still do normal Twitter, it's just like you have to see ads. But Twitter Blue, from what I understood, doesn't that also promote your post? Gives it more visibility over others, or is that not the case? I mean, sort of, but like, you, like what it doesn't. Well, like, see, that's that's kind of the really issue matter, though, right? Because Twitter, if you're good, you get like the algo takes you up regardless. I thought like, they did that more exactly, uh, based exactly. on your replies. I didn't think this that they a, said that it had any sort it's of it's reply timeline. boosting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I, I didn't think it was like a timeline yeah. thing. Although, if it is, I'm totally paying the eight dollars a month, dude. If it doubles my yeah, Apex, Apex for that much promotion would be. You know, lot. I told them I would pay eight dollars just for removing DM rate limits. Uh, that's eight dollars. Like I get rate limited like every other day yeah. because. You can only send a thousand messages and like I do work and stuff in the DM. So it's like, and I have group chats, right? I would uh, instant, instantly $8 easy worth it. Yeah. And you can spend, or it's, it's something like a uh, 1250 tweets, but only like a thousand DMs a day. I, the, mm. the Twitter DM functionality is honestly like, it's absurd how bad it is when compared to literally every other app in the entire world. Like not even like, uh, <laughs> like I'm, I'm talking about like bullshit knockoff, like, like truth, Truth Social, Gab, like all <laughs> or, of these uh, other totally co-star platforms. The co-star DMs have, are pretty yeah, good. Yeah, they literally have better DM functionality than Twitter where it's like, and it is kind of amusing how bad it is because effectively it's like, it's gone, right? Like with Twitter DMs, they implemented a search feature, but the search feature is so broken that like you have to press search like 500 times and it keeps saying, sorry, that didn't work. And then eventually RNG will let you actually search for the keyword you're searching for. But most of the time you don't want to do it. So it's usually just limited to whatever you can scroll back to, which is like a day or two before it rubber bands out and glitches. Mm -hmm. But then if we're talking about, for example, uh, I don't know, avoiding a Chinese style social credit score system. And here we have people submitting money and having their identity linked to these accounts now. Isn't that at a certain point destroying anonymity, destroying the ability for no? Yeah. 
I, I don't think we're look we're headed towards like I don't think the failure mode here is 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 Chinese social credit score. I think it's more likely uh, pay to win uh, dopa loop. Uh, mobile yeah, I agree. Game. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the real because you know, that's, that's the real. Uh, the, I mean, that's certainly the direction I feel myself being pulled in, right? Like, I'm <laughs> oh, not, of course, yeah. I'm not particularly yeah, worried about uh, the other side of it, but the the dopamine loop, right? Like, if you promise me that I'm going to get twice as many notifications for paying eight dollars a month, it's like, uh, oh, it's yeah. a small it's fucking easy. price to pay. That's yeah. so yeah. bad. Yeah, I mean, that's it's so main. bad for you to, to constantly be hooked up to this thing. I think that if it does get to the point where it's actually that beneficial to pay the $8 a month, if you are truly getting twice the amount of notifications, you're going to get to a point where almost everybody who wants it is going to have it. I mean, people are paying yeah. a huge amount of subscriptions per month right now anyways. I think that it's probably not going to do as much in the way of like boosting you up in that way. And so I don't really see it being a problem as in some people are paying $8 a month. Some people aren't. The people who are paying $8 a month are being heard. Where others are, I don't really think we're going to see that. I think that it's more realistic that a bunch of people are going to pay for it, and some people will have a slight boost from it, others won't, and that would be the end of it. Yeah, most people won't even notice the difference, honestly. Yeah. So if uh, Ted Kaczynski, uh, I, I, uh, I want to go to him real quick, but before Matt, you want to say something. I want to go to Ted Kaczynski. I was just going to say. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to say I, I plan on paying the. I, I plan on paying whatever the heck they charge, purely as a you know civic contribution to help pull this platform off ads because twitter is special right mm -hmm. like it's it it is the it is one of the few sort of cultural relic obviously not ui relics but cultural relics of like the internet before platformization it's the least platforming of all the platforms and i think that uh yeah i, I, I don't know I, i'm i'm hopeful that with additional revenue streams they're gonna make it suck less yeah. By the way, uh, your uh, your audio is uh, kind of going in and out a bit. There may be a bad connection wherever you are. See if you can change Wi-Fi or do yeah, something. Yeah, we'll do. All right, no problem there. So back to uh, Ted Kaczynski. What would Ted Kaczynski think about this uh, Twitter takeover, Elon Musk? I mean, that would be, I guess, the best case scenario of somebody who actually cares about whatever is going to allegedly whatever is going to happen to humanity. He's talking a lot about the problem of depopulization, all that stuff. Somebody like that would be a best case scenario technocrat. But even there, what is the worst case scenario that would happen to this guy? That would be kind of the, uh, the uh, reason why I called this uh, quorum together here. So who wants to go about Ted Kaczynski first? I know I want like, to pick. What do you do on Twitter? Not what like, we that that's actually an interesting uh, story. As well I mean, I think he would, he would be do. a great shitposter on Twitter, honestly. But like, <laughs> wait, I, Ted, Ted K would kill on Twitter. Twitter. He'd be the guy who uh, he keeps making alts, and everyone identifies him by his <laughs> his writing style, right? Uh, exactly. Oh yeah, literally, yeah. Flagging him. He'd yeah, he'd be like Mia or, or Hakan or something, where it's just like you recognize it the second you see it. But if, for example, he were to not become a wonderful Twitter shitposter and instead, what would be the criticisms that he would give about the, uh, not just the Twitter sphere, but in general, SpaceX and all the things that Elon Musk and others like him are creating right now? If, on one hand, we have this idea of this wonderful future that goes to the stars, what would be Ted's view of the potential, I don't know, downfall of humanity here? And also, somebody is uh, not having their headphones as tight because I am hearing a bit of background sound. I don't know who that is, but anyway, just want to throw that in as well. Me. No problem. All right, just tighten no, up or make it. That's not it background sound. That's me uh, being ADHD and stimming. 
with a with a with a pen. No, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> so so yeah, I don't know. Like verse, what yes. criticisms as a uh, scholar that I know you are of uh, Ted Kaczynski, what criticisms <laughs> would he give towards uh, what we're in right now, towards this technological age? Uh, he would probably have enough. He'd be upset about when it comes to Elon. He'd be the most mad about like the Tesla um, like automation um, and like. Uh, what do you call it? And, like phasing out jobs mostly because like that was half his like argument was that we'd effectively create AI and then kind of like domesticate ourselves and then kind of remove humans from like productive labor and not so much that like we aren't making money but like we have no purpose outside if we like remove labor or he was a big uh he would have been a big detriment of like the self-driving trucks right yeah like, yeah exactly he would like not the... have wanted that and that's exactly where i mean like the the majority of tesla's research funding isn't necessarily going towards cars right mm -hmm. like it's going towards the ai end of things and government contracts related to the agi stuff so i don't know that's yeah the kind of, that's kind of his arch nemesis right is like and the, the, robots. the ai singularity here mm -hmm. So chill fuel, is this something that you are concerned about? Um, am I concerned about any part of the technological advancements with yes. with, uh, with Elon specifically? Yes, um, sir. I think that it's something that has a huge number of risks, whether it's um, artificial intelligence becoming too advanced and having some risk with that, or if it's having a utopian society with where artificial intelligence can take every take care of everything those are like the two the doom and glory parts of argument for it but i think that for the most part um there's going to be a lot of checks um in technology advancements with other companies competing with each other to uh, create these artificial intelligence and i think that just as one company could have a ginormous advancement in something one of them could have a counter to it or something that checks the power of that large advancement. And I think that we're going to see a lot of that coming up. So I'm not super worried about one individual really having all the power because I don't think that they will um, overall. Do you guys agree versus Lucas? Mm, yeah, I mean, I don't think that necessarily Elon will be the overlord of the planet, but he might, but he's certainly at the moment pushing, he's at the forefront and kind of pushing um, a lot of like, you know, like uh, consumer scale AI and like defense contracts. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, like there's, you know, there's other, I mean, all of tech research is kind of, a lot of our military funding funding goes into te into like uh, tech research in general and like software mm -hmm. companies on, on like the back end anyway. So it's not really much different. If it's not him, someone else is going to do it regardless. Yeah. So that's why with something like Neuralink, for example, the worst nightmare for a lot of people is that uh, one day we're going to wake up and our entire minds are going to be connected. There's not going to be any more individual imagination. We're all just going to be stuck repeating whatever happens to be the fad oh, of the time. No. That's not my concern with Neuralink. No? My concern with Neuralink is when like your subscription runs out or you say the wrong word <laughs> and now now you have no access to your memories and they're like fucking token, to they're like token gating your memories. You know, my concern with Neuralink is any sort of realistic <laughs> implementation of it, I see as like, they say, okay, we'll allow you to spend four hours in the Pleasure Dome, but during this mm -hmm. entire time, we'll be outsourcing 15% of your brain's compute power to running uh, <laughs> ad optimizations, yeah. right? Exactly. Like, you're going to get malware in your brain, honestly. 
it's a, a similar thing like in Futurama where uh, Fry was having a dream and the dream had a sponsor for that yeah. dream. Like, this dream is brought to you by uh, whatever the hell. And now that there was this uh, Russian company that's planning to put satellites in the uh, sky to broadcast holograms of adverts so when people look up in the beautiful <laughs> starlit sky they're not seeing star that's so bad yeah that's awful. That so there, there are so many of those frontiers where it's like what like elon can effectively like advertise in the sky now with his uh starlink satellites if he wants and like he he can't but like he, he effectively can right because who owns space Right. Yeah, so, like, this. yeah. <laughs> I forgot that oh, the U.S. federal government owns space. It's a, it's, it's, it's um, is it maritime law? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, that was the law that the well, guy was yeah, quoting, the, the one who uh, <laughs> killed the people in the um, in the car crash. What's his name? The black dude who killed people in what? in Waukesha. That was that were the recent trial. Do you guys remember? No, oh, I, I only know about maritime law from the, yeah. Simpsons, the Simpsons episode. <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> where they like okay. monkey fights on the boat. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember his full name. I think his first name was Daryl. Oh, Daryl Brooks. That's it. So there was this crazy dude, Daryl Brooks, this black dude who was in a car and he crashed into several people in Waukesha, Wisconsin. This was intentional. Like he wanted to crash oh. into these people, and when he was in trial, he decided to represent himself. He fired his lawyer, and he was quoting maritime law as a sovereign citizen. That was his. Wait, he, he went like full Dale Gribble, seriously? Yes. yes. Wait, 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 was this wow. was this that like really that really bad uh, defense that I saw recently going around? Everyone was posting a bunch of like ninety second <laughs> clips of this guy just saying like absolutely incriminating yes. nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's the guy. He was talking about lawful law. That was the thing that he kept yes. repeating, lawful law. He was, like, calling witnesses who were saying, like, yeah, you did it. And he'd be like, I rest my case. <laughs> and everyone was like, what? I love anyone who, like, wants to represent themselves. That's, like, peak comedy. I cannot believe that's allowed. I would yeah. do it uh, in any situation where it was both like extremely trivial and I knew I was fucked anyway as yeah. just like a publicity stunt, right? Like you could go yeah, mega like... viral doing something <laughs> like that. But the idea of like, if I fuck this up, I'm behind bars for 25 years. Anyway, here, here goes. Here we go, boys. Not so much. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it gives people a bit of entertainment. But that's see, that's the other weird thing about today. Like Alexander Bard always talks about how now – uh, the uh, time consumption attention economy, that's what's going to be in focus for a lot of people. And everybody's shilling. I'm shilling. You're shilling. By the way, guys, make sure to subscribe to Break the Rules and make sure to subscribe to Verse and Lucas Podcast, one of the greatest mm -hmm. podcasts of all time that has recently come out. It's true. It is true. But anyway, <laughs> because of that, though, how much of us as individuals is necessarily left like chill fuel you're a very successful youtuber you've done a lot of wonderful videos and you've grown quite a substantial fan base like two hundred thousand something uh, subscribers on youtube do you feel like in this technological age like one of the things that uncle ted would be concerned about is the loss of yourself as a sovereign individual when you have all of these people that are vying for your attention what do you think does this something that uh does yeah. it affect you I think I think that it it definitely brings a whole other aspect of like your self identity and how you how you present yourself how you want to be seen um, into question which I definitely think he'd take issue with specifically um, 
Because, I mean, he was somebody who was very against having all of this attention and uh, ideologies and, and, and saying words that you might not necessarily mean, but because it's going to give you attention from others or because you think it's the right thing for to please somebody else to say. Um, and I think that that looking at like your self-identity is going to definitely change how we are presenting ourselves online as more and more of our life starts being online. And we start to see interactions between people becoming more of an online based thing than a real life thing. You're at how you present yourself in that online space is going to become more and more important, which is kind of scary in a sense. And do you find that now we are being, I mean, no doy or being divided politically, but in very concrete tribes, like Verse, for example, mm -hmm. do you find that the people that you're around with a lot, what they do share in common is that no matter what political persuasion they are, most of them are going to be against the establishment. Would that be? Uh, like... No, not anymore. Before, yeah. But uh, I've been trying to. I'm, we're selling out. We're, we're on the run. You're, be, you're being a good boy now. Yes. No, yeah, I'm behaving yeah, myself. We're going full on uh, neoliberalist here, man. Yeah. We're putting the <laughs> flags in our bios and we are doing anything we can to grift it up. <laughs> yeah. We just got to get we got get money, get paid is what we're, we're about these days. No, no. I, I've cleaned up my act a, little, act a little bit because I started getting hired on Twitter. And so. I I had to like be a little bit less uh, insane, but also as you get bigger, it's hard to like get too outlandish because you like face bigger punishment, you know. Uh, and there's more. That's like the like what, what head would have like the biggest issue with, right? Like we kind of talked mm -hmm. about this before, but at a certain level of uh, like creating like a follower base or anything or having like a public perception of you, it stops being like you, right? You have this constant simulated image in your mind of what like mm -hmm. uh, the the avatar of yourself is in your audience's mind and you're acting always within that frame and yeah. like you can go out of it if you want to but it it's bad for engagement right like you yeah. you lose people or you piss people off or whatever and so like everybody has like a sort of trade-off that they have to make between like agreeability and sense of self and everybody has like a different place that they fall on that spectrum but like if you go max agreeability and just go with whatever your audience wants and wherever they want to take you you can grow really fast, but you become like a non-person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not really giving up. Any, I think that's something that, that kind of is, is scary that we'll be seeing more and more of as well. It, is that like people, like you're saying, that they're just, they're going to say things for the fact that it's going to resonate with their audience more than whether it's what their belief is. And their audience or whatever their community is could differ um, in their ideologies from what the individual is 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 actually like and i think that's where it gets it's, it's a little scary to, to think about how your people are already doing that i mean even in small friend groups i mean people are going to say things and act a certain way because they think that they're going to get a response from a certain group of friends or others and it's not their true feelings on a matter it's more about how everybody else will react to what they're saying I like to go pure. Uh, I'm a start, I'm a bard head too, so um, I like to think of this and things as like. Well, you're so literally like, a bard head. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's you. But bard is my favorite, like one of my favorite authors. Um, and I do like to think of like he's kind of right. I mean, he he, he took it from Lacan, I guess, but it's like like schizoanalysis, analysis, or maybe that was it was one of the two of them. And so it's like you're not sure that like, the individual 
is not really what's happening online. You're not like representing yourself truly as an individual as like the internet is making it more about like you have to contend with your like public um, persona, I guess your avatar as, as I've said. Um, but at the same time, you can also still, there's like, now there's more like spheres, I guess, of like, of um, authenticity, so to speak. So like I could be, I can behave very authentically in like a group chat of that's vetted. Right. But then like, if I go to like a, a slightly larger group chat, then now I have to like, I can go in and out of the behavior. If you're in your public, uh, um, whatever, you're on the timeline. Now you largely have to play into it, but you can break it a few times if you feel like it. But you, again, you're going to be punished. But it kind of depends on what your goal is. But ultimately, there are like everyone has to contend with like, you know, different layers of their self, which is, you know, the kind of uh, it's like kind of dubbed is like the schiz like schizo Twitters and stuff like that. It's like you're not really schizo. It's more so that you're kind of like fracturing yourself. There's a lot of people who like there's a really highly variable uh, ability for people to deal with the sort of like performative you're on a stage nature of the internet overall like there's some people who absolutely cannot handle going up and like doing a bit that's incongruent with their core internal beliefs and there's a lot of other people who are like totally fine with it and they don't they don't necessarily even have beliefs like like i don't really think of uh most stuff that i say as like coming from myself like it's all just like an interesting thing i'm like oh what if i took this concept and took it to like this i turned this dial to 11 and I like put it in this scenario, like where would it go, right? It's not like, oh, I literally believe like this is how the world works. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And well, then, so then you get like me, where like half of what I say, I'm just it's either I'm actually saying my opinion or half of what I'm saying is just like, oh, this is really interesting. And it's kind of funny that this is what's happening, but I don't care one way or the other. This is just what I'm going to say. Well, we have a comment from Kim Chifo who says this discourse is basic AF right now. <laughs> get get to Uncle Teddy and Daddy Musk. By the way, that's a great perfume. By the way, Daddy Musk. <laughs> Daddy Musk would go hard. I, we should sell that legit. When I yeah, I, yeah Ooh, so Matt, you Matt, you haven't you spoken for a while. Let me know. Okay, so back to the original conversation here. Elon Musk versus uh, Ted Kaczynski. Where do you personally stand? Oh, I, I think it's pretty clear that uh, uh, to, to most people uh, uh, that, that I definitely come down on like the, the extrokin, uh, fully expressed, you know, let's move to space station side of this. Um, I, I would say even more so than I, I, I don't know. I, I'm probably on the dimension where Elon is considered to be a, uh, uh, you know, a uh, uh, growth you know, growth as rapidly as possible to, you know, up the Kardashev scale, uh, radical and probably further down that line. Um, uh, you know, completely, you know, uh, completely unironically. Uh, Kaczynski is interesting though, because I, I think he, he picks out a lot of aspects of modernity that are really soul crushing. And I think that uh, uh, that concern for humanism uh, is going to have to come into synthesis with uh, the ideology of, you know, of, of growth and of, uh, uh, you know, at the at the cosmic scale, uh, in in a way that uh, in a way that actually enables humanity to to perpetuate itself rather than uh, just give birth to some you know some like gray goo that then just consumes everything around us and that that's. Sort of uh, you know the, the the good the good future is one where 
Ted Kaczynski, you know, gets cloned and wakes up on, you know, on like uh, uh, National Park Earth, uh, <laughs> you know, like 200 years from now and says, hey, you know what? Actually, this, this kind of turned out all right. <laughs> so a scenario where the human beings decide to leave the Earth in peace, go into space, set up various space colonies, but treat the Earth like they would their most beloved mistress. You know, make sure that she is well trimmed and well taken care of, and there is always well trimmed. Now imagining like some well, yeah. some hairy well, some hairy Bigfoot not woman. Would, not, so. not the framing. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the framing I would use, but I, I would certainly say that like you know the 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 Earth is a garden, and uh, the garden should definitely be well maintained. Um, you know, it doesn't mean people can't live in it uh, and can't. Uh, enjoy it you know it's not supposed to be something in a you know in a glass bottle preserved there it's a you know massive dynamical system that produced life and is producing more life uh so it, it ought to be allowed to just continue doing its its thing uh humans are part of that thing and always will be um but we uh you know we we, we do definitely want to uh 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 put more emphasis on homesteading the cosmos than you know building uh building suburbs and that uh that i think you know with with that sort of contradiction removed uh i think i think we we might come towards something of a humanistic synthesis between you know between the 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 the, the prim in impulse and the the necessity of growing the you know volume of space that you know the terrigen life occupies as rapidly as possible so I don't know, uh, verse. Do you think it is possible for human beings, knowing you know what we are, to get to that level of being able to control our animalistic urges and actually be a good gardener for the earth instead of just uh, messing all of it up? Like, what would it take? What would it take to get us get us in line over here? Get us get us together? Um, I it's hard because like some things. It's uh, having to parse the things I agree with versus disagree with what's been said. Um, I don't think that like the animal urges part is not going to be tamed. That's just kind of what we are. Um, I do think we can go to space and maybe mine other planets, but I don't think we're going to homestead the rest of the galaxy, mostly because I think that um, people gen uh, greatly underestimate what it means to be like a species that was born on Earth and like the interaction between you as a, a being and like your home planet. Like you're, you're going to like like it's kind of there's a frog in Puerto Rico. This is the only uh, uh, recall I can do. This is the only like a uh, metaphor I can do. It's not really a metaphor. Analogy. There's a frog in Puerto Rico called the coqui, right? And it's a frog that only sings when it's in Puerto Rico. And there's no, they have no idea why it knows it's in Puerto Rico. But when it's in Puerto Rico, it does like coqui, coqui, coqui. And then when it's not, it doesn't make the sound, right? And there's a very large possibility that humans are much the same way. We can probably go to other planets like temporarily, but I. I can only there's nothing that sounds more dreadful to me than dying on like a, a like a desert rock that I wasn't born on. You know what I'm saying? Like that sounds like very bleak. We can probably go there. We might even be able to terraform it for like temporary visits if you're bored. But I don't think we're leaving Earth. Um, so if since we can't since I don't think we're leaving Earth, I think we're going to probably have to figure out a way to manage living here largely. Um, and, you know, maybe we send out like robot avatars in our like and do like, you know, quantum computing entanglement with the avatars out like mining other planets like a drone but we're not going to go anywhere is my personal opinion chill do you agree 
I think that um, I think that it's really hard to really grasp where technology will be in, say, even a thousand years, because it's very hard to, to get a good understanding of it. I think that eventually, if humankind survives to a certain point, we will end up um, occupying space in some way. But I do think for a much longer time, it will be easier and cheaper to develop more and more on Earth, whether it's going higher, wider, into Earth, like to occupy more space on it and to allow for a higher population. Um, even when it comes to sustaining food, I think that most of that is going to be done on Earth for a very long time before we can look into space and say, hey, this is now where we need to go. Um, because it's just so much of our existence is and what makes life possible for us is based on the planet. And so I think it'll be a lot easier to transform um, more livable space and more farms and such for us to live on than it will be to go out into space. And we'll see a very abstract earth before we see a civilization living in space. What do you mean by abstract? I mean, like we'll see one there. It's, I I think it's likely for us to live in a world that is basically filled with high rises and, um, ginormous macro farms that are in the high rises and some of them are livable and like that rather than it is for us to go out in space and have an earth that still looks um like it does now when there's some cities and some parts that are not as occupied i think that it's much more likely for us to have a world that is much higher like before, before you end up moving out into space i think it's much more likely for us to basically maximize every livable area we can on earth so I want to get to that, but real quick, I want to make sure, can you tap on your microphone? I want to make sure that it actually is the microphone. It's not the microphone. All this time you were, it's not the microphone. I knew something it. Else. I fucking knew it. You were using <laughs> the wrong microphone this entire time. It's, this is not, this is not this the is microphone. Not. It's no, it's not. Oh, that's okay. why it's you so would have weird. heard the sound, yeah. Yeah, that's why it's so weird. Oh. This is... The uh-huh. same thing happened to Alexander Bard the first oh, time he was on StreamYard. He was talking through the wrong mic, which is why it sounded all goofy. All right, uh-huh. Chill Fuel, go into the settings, pick the right yeah. mic. It should be the right mic. As soon as you do it, it's uh-huh. going to sound like fucking roses. It's, it's going to sound it's going to sound incredible. <laughs> so, yeah, so while you are doing that, Verse, you know that yes. Saudi Arabian thing that's being built right now? Yeah, the line? A, yeah, the yeah, line. The, that's so the I don't like that one. I think that one looks really horrific, but I do think that we're going to have, like, for example, I, I just have a hard time believing we're going to terraform Mars when we haven't made seasteads yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's very, like, easy and doable, like, relatively speaking, to make, a, like, a, a livable, like, city-state on the ocean than it is to make a, a colony on Mars, in my personal opinion. I mean, maybe there's something that I'm missing, but I just yeah. don't understand how you could do one without the other. So I well, I would live on a seastead. I'm not, the line mar- Maritime law. Livable. Maritime law. I would say this. Uh, I think people drastically misestimate the difficulty of uh, settling deep space um, relative to the difficulty of settling, say, Mars or what have you. Mars is actually very difficult, uh, particularly from a, a human uh, well-being perspective. But we are... Like, I, I think it would be way, way easier to have a million person halo ring uh, out, you know, out in the asteroid belt than it would be to have uh, to have like a hundred thousand person colony on Mars. And I think that the halo ring would be a lot 
nicer place to live so like on. the line but uh, mainly because you don't have to climb up and down the gravity well uh and the gravity well once you get down there uh you know is so if you know if you're on a spin hab the spin hab can simulate 1g all the time uh Ooh. if you're on the surface of mars that's not quite 1g Oh, oh no, he got, he's, he's got. Picked, but I actually like this they, idea. They I don't would, want. The, yeah, they don't want this him to release this information. But this is, by the way, just for context, just so you know who this guy is that we got on. He is a roboticist. He creates robots that create other robots. So this is how oh. smart. This is how smart this singularity. Dude is. Yes, the exactly. Singularity <laughs> is being so, made by him. Yeah, so these are the level of guests that we have here on Break the Rules. Don't let the shitty signal fool you, okay? <laughs> this, guy is, this guy is like one of the oh. top people who is creating the machines of today that are going to create the machines of tomorrow. So this guy he, is doing an inside bet with Ray Kurzweil. That's all this is. Because Ray exactly. Kurzweil put his predictions on 2040. So he's trying to, he's trying to juice the uh, tip the scale. <laughs> but, at the same, but at the same time, he is not against a lot of the things that uh, uh, Uncle Ted talks about as far as uh, how people are going to have to get in touch with their humanity. But we can't go back. Like, unless there's going to be some Graham Hancock-style uh, cataclysm, there's no way going back. But that is the other interesting thing. Like, how many of you guys will... Verse, you know Graham Hancock. Mm-hmm. Yes. Lucas, Graham Hancock fan, Graham Hancock head. Older. I have no idea who that is. I don't know anywhere from older stuff like uh, the uh, Amazon colonies, is like a hundred thousand year old human civilization. You've probably seen it on Twitter. Well, verse, can you get a little bit more? Uh, uh, I'm not like in, a in super detail. big Hancock head. I did list, read the um, American Gods. Is that what it's called? American the one with the um, Indians, like the Native Americans, uh, with like the uh, the serpent mounds, and they were showing that there's evidence that. Uh, that there's been multiple migrations to America and that, that like the, uh, I think the estimate of like 12,000 years ago is ridiculous. And that it's very likely that there in the, in the multiple times that the bearing, what is it called? The bearing Strait melted or like, you know, froze over rather that there were multiple migrations going back like more like a hundred K years because when they talk to natives of the town and they like find records and whatever, there's um like the, the oral traditions or whatever is like, this was here when we got here. Right. So it's like, this is, uh, you know, and there's like other stuff about like uh, how Amazon, the Amazon rainforest was um, terraformed, right? And there's a civilization there that we pretty much know for a fact it was terraformed at this point. So right, there's a civilization there before the one we thought. In like, of course, there's like a ten, uh, ten, what is it called in Turkey? Uh, um, uh, Gobekli Tepe. Gobekli Tepe. Yeah. yeah, there's that. There's a there's a lot, there's an uh, increasing amount of uh, evidence that. There were civilizations earlier than we think, which would indicate that our our timeline is wrong. So that's basically like the Graham Hancock, like TLDR. That's a that's a big part of it. The other part of it that relates uh, to the cataclysm is that uh, since there may have been this giant cataclysm around eleven thousand years ago, it may be likely that these cataclysms recur on a regular basis. And he's been talking a lot about how we're overdue for one so not saint helen's gotta go we got that super volcano it's gonna pop well there's a there's a couple of there's a couple of things like there's mount saint helen's there could be a rogue meteor that can uh, crash into the earth the sun you know we always forget about the sun yet it's right there and it's been uh, making some weird uh weird stuff recently so all this can have a drastic effect on the earth and all of these great civilizations that we've built up 
you know, just like in the flash, they could be gone and we'll have to uh, start again. And it makes me think about whether, like, I don't know where you guys stand and whether life is pre-planned in a certain way where we have like just a certain amount of time to get it right and if we don't get it right and if we build up and it's too big then the ant farm is going to be shaken and we're going to have to start again because of our hubris of not being able to find out how to love each other and instead just like building up without actually working you know on on ourselves in the inside so that's one way of looking at it. another way of looking at it is like this is all completely random and we're just given these pieces born by circumstance and we deal with them however we deal with them so i don't know those are the two varieties which ones do you fall into let's start with chill fuel and by the way somebody again like when i said that verse it wasn't about the pen there is some sound or some sound of me talking coming through from somebody's uh audio i'm not sure from whose mm. but it is happening sometimes so my recommendation is just slightly lower your audio output let's see maybe it's me i have open back headphones Let's try All that. right, no, no problem. But anyway, chill fuel. Which uh, theory do you uh, stand by more? That this is all just yeah. like randomness, or there is a plan here? Uh, I think that it's like for the most part. I think it's nice to think about. Um, and it's you like, sound it's so nice. good, by the way. I just wanted yeah, to say yeah. you sound so good now. Okay, it's, it's great. The it's defense, fixed. okay. Yeah. Sick. Um, yeah, I think that it's nice to like kind of daydream and and think that we have some type of purpose, um, and that like maybe we could be going down the the track of like, oh, we have a certain amount of time to get this right and that this is somehow we're somehow a test that's going to be used for something or there's some greater goal in mind um i think it's like nice to to think about and kind of daydream um and it definitely is a possibility um but i think i would probably side with randomness um for the most part and it just because the lack of evidence of anything being planned um and I, I i my my interpretation is definitely like i'm definitely willing to change my opinion on it um given certain information but from where i stand right now i think that it kind of is more wishful thinking to to think that something is pre-planned for us and that we have a certain growth that we are supposed to take all right uh i will definitely accept that I would add in one thing, though. If you look at the moon, it's the pretty much the same size as the sun during the eclipse. Like, it covers it up completely. To me, when I look at that, I'm like, what? What is going on there? That mm -hmm. is too much. You know, how could these two objects be yeah. so close in size, match each other so well? But I don't know. That's just crazy old love here. So, I don't know, Lucas, <laughs> where do you stand? Sorry, uh, Lucas. Yeah, Lucas. I. Uh, you'll, you'll go soon. Don't worry. Oh no, no, I just didn't hear you say. Oh, if if you want to jump in here, Vers, no, no, you I don't, go, I don't have any. ADHD. I have like I gotta be like spats. Anyway, go. I uh, I don't know. I go back and forth on this one all the time. I think that probably yeah, everything was to some degree planned, but I also don't think that the plan was necessarily like it's all gonna be great and work out, and everything's gonna be uh, really beautiful. Like I think there's there's a possibility for anything. So my, uh, my complete determination that all of this is on rails doesn't really give me any sort of insight into where the rails are headed. Mm -hmm. Verse, what do you, what uh, say you? Um, I think that you could do both. I mean, like maybe it's cause I have like my maths, like background, but like, you know, I, I don't see why you couldn't do, uh, like kind of basic rules that create random, like make, 
uh, really complicated like patterns, right? Kind of like procedural generation in like programming or like recursion, stuff like that. It makes, uh, you know, a lot of like you can, uh, there are like basic um, systems of equations that can make like chaos, right? That you can't predict one slight change in the input and what the output's going to be. Or rather, one such change in the input would make a completely unpredictable out- output, right? So it's like, I don't know. I think that you can have both. I think something could be uh, have very precise inputs and then still create a really complex output that's not like predetermined, right? Like a, a, a very not to use not to be Reddit and say like it's a simulation, but like effectively a simulation, right? Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to happen. That's why well, you're I simulating mean, it. What What do you think about what do you think about uh, Stephen Wolfram's? Uh, a new kind of science, uh, 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 like rework of of systems, you know, on which physics emer- or from which physics emerge. Wait, to, so that you're going in and out, so I didn't hear the question. Uh, are you familiar with Stephen Wolfram's uh, uh, new kind of science uh, work? No, but it sounds lit. I love Wolfram. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So cellular automata. Basically, he he uh, he. Pos- it's that a lot of uh, reality that we see around is, uh, uh, as you said, classically chaotic emergent properties of, you know, of, of, of simple underlying rule sets. Dynamic systems, uh, yeah. And he's gone once he's again. Gone. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I think, I mean, like, I haven't read it, but I'm going to check it out because, like, Wolfram, you know, is like, is like the math, you know. He's our Elon. Uh, so that sounds like I don't know. It's uh, something that I definitely want to learn more about mathematics. There's this guy, Gregory Pellerman, who was this uh, Russian Jewish guy who was given a million dollar prize and he rejected it. His quote, and I'm kind of butchering, but it was something like, what do I need a million dollars for when I can control the entire universe? So when you, yeah, when you get to that level, (laughs) when you get to that level of understanding mathematics that you can control the universe, if, if you, if you can just uh, imagine that that is actually the case for a second, like the guy's not schizo, if you can actually imagine that people do have that much more of an access to what exactly is going on around us when they start figuring it out, mathematically speaking, to me, at least, that leads me to the belief that if those people are out there, they might as well be wizards. They might as well be people like fucking Sauron and Gandalf that can just, like, take a staff and direct it to a certain point. Like, use, use mathematics to cause a blizzard so that Frodo is going to fall off a mountain or whatever. Like, I don't imagine it being that far off that we may have the ability to utilize the world around us to our benefit or to the benefit of whatever we're trying to accomplish i just personally don't see and i know this is like a super hippy dippy way of looking at life but i don't want to ever put a limit on something i always want to imagine that if you can imagine it there is a possibility of it coming to fruition mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that you're you're like i don't know some housewife who imagines getting a ferrari and it's like you read the secret and now you're just like thinking like ooh i really want to get this car and no that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about somebody who devotes their life to actually understanding the way that the universe works understanding mathematics sacred geometry whatever like trying to understand how all this works and meditating and you know just getting very into it 
and then maybe they would have the ability to have like the Hindus talk about Siddhis, magical powers, being able to do things that we would consider to be impossible today. But maybe the only reason is because all the point dexters are stuck in their offices, you know, just like putting a bunch of calculations together, but not really going beyond that. Everybody's too specialized. Everybody's just doing a particular thing. But nobody, nobody's focusing on that other part of it. And if we were focused on, let's say, well, could we try telepathy? Could we try astrally projecting? Am I, I don't know, am I crazy here? Should, should you lock me up right now? This is actually <laughs> funny enough in Ted K's manifesto. So uh, his whole thing was like, I mean, I'm going to kind of like minimize what you're just saying. I'm going to be honest with you. Go for it. Because I'm using his uh, wording, but like, He's like, after AI and automation and stuff take away all of our like productive jobs, everyone's going to be reduced to doing hobbies and effectively <laughs> uh, like, you know, meditating and like astral projection and like me juggling. I'll get really good at juggling, you know, uh, that'll be like our life or shit posting on Twitter. That'll be like our profession effectively. So, you know, so, yes, I think I'm sure I'm sure you can read the Akashic records in your as you uh, astral project in your bedroom. But see, I don't think that's necessarily going to be what's going to happen because to, in order to actually do it correctly, that's going to take a lot of discipline. And most people, I think, if they have access to a VR headset, they're just going to put on the VR headset. They're going to go into their JAV. The, the yeah, the Goon Cave. <laughs> they're going to go into the JAV porn collection on the VR headset, and they're just going to have this busty Japanese girl or, like, several <laughs> Japanese girls just orbiting around them like a bunch of planets and they're the sun they're apollo and a bunch of venuses are orbiting <laughs> around them and that's going to be their life from now on it doesn't matter if you're big and fat and you're like wally like you're the wally man as long as you have that vr headset and you know what forget the vr headset we're talking about elon musk right well elon mm. musk has the Neuralink, so now oh, it's yeah. like next level shit now you put the Neuralink in your head and all of press a sudden the, press the cum button <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so, so yeah so Chill you're feel. basically like like your, your idea behind it is that are we going down the path of missing out on some sort of um further like i, I guess self like advancement of of like the mind by advancing technology to a point that we're so stimulated and over uh exerted an, an online that we don't have the concentration to be able to do these things that we have the potential to do is that the general exact yeah. mundo telemundo yeah. i think i think that like my my main like kind of counter argument to that is that while there were people that um that devoted their lives to um meditating and trying to reach like a higher higher existence in some way um they're, while they didn't have the distractions that we have today, they had a million other distractions on their mind as well. Um, like what they're what they're going to eat next, where the food's going to come from, um, how they're going to provide. And I think that as we advance technology further and further, we're going to end up um, kind of doing the opposite and being able to have more time to ourselves. And while we can be distracted, um, even if we have that time to ourselves and we can be stimulated all the time, I still think that the overall like brain power that we can put towards doing things that would be along that line are going to be easier to do in the future than they are. 
but uh, what's the what's the pressure ago. what would be the pressure for us to do that because like let's say you're living in ancient india yes if you're a householder you have to mind your property you have to fix the door you have to fix the well the toilet they didn't really have toilets back then but you know what i mean like uh well they you know they uh <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna no okay okay <laughs> Thank you, Verse. Thank you. Stop me. Yeah. Okay. So uh, there was a story about this guy Gopi Krishna who found that he had Kundalini going up and down his uh, back, and his father went away from the family because he wanted to achieve enlightenment. So what he ended up doing was he left this poor kid, Gopi Krishna. He was like in his teens with his mother, and the old man just bailed on him. Uh, you know, Maury style, you know, when he finds out he's not the father, even though he is the father in this case. And he ended up going all the way to a cave somewhere and living these, this ascetic life. And his trade-off, you know, being a householder was that he just became, you know, an asshole. Because you have all these responsibilities you have to do living in India. And it wasn't that long ago. Like, this was like the 1950s or whatever. You still have your responsibilities, but there are certain places that are set up in India, ashrams and the like, where you can go and you can seek enlightenment. But because you end up abandoning your entire family in order to do that, that's a hell of a trade-off. And I think that back then, people were aware that they had to kind of balance those things out, and they helped each other. Like, when they weren't assholes, it was advisable that you could be a householder and you can seek this higher knowledge in your spare time when you get a chance instead of just like only choosing the path of renunciation by turning everything that you do on a daily basis like washing the uh, dishes or whatever you turn that into your karmic activity like you do all of that with a lot of self-awareness and everything becomes training like every single interaction that you do in life becomes a form of yoga. And the difference is that when you put the VR headset on, how often do you really have a chance to train yourself as opposed to just being spoon-fed a lot of things? Like even today with the smartphones, you know, I'm not even going to get into TikTok, but like any piece of technology that we're using right now, it's not as much of an opportunity at all to train ourselves in the same way like not weaving a basket or doing something, you know, very basic or, you know, mm-hmm. fixing the door like the uh, fucking person in the chat was talking about or like, left can't fix the toy, whatever. Anyway, listen, bitch, I'm not going to get into it right now. But the point is, is that I am, okay, I'm going to get into it right now. But Love's tilted. <laughs> but the point is, the point is, is that if we get away from doing a lot of these handyman activities, and we're only absorbing the electric information that is being broadcast to us, now we're losing another way of achieving enlightenment. We're losing the opportunity to get that yogic training. So that is why I disagree with Chill Fuel. Okay. I kind of, I kind of, I understand um, what, what you're saying by that. I, I have a question that I want to pose to you that kind of revolves around that then. And that has to do kind of with whether or not this technology could further advance um, our ability to do that. I mean, sure, there are a lot of things that you can look at technology advancing and seeing us as being something that is only feeding off of quick little bursts of stimuli and dopamine rushes and trying to get every little piece without actually thinking at all. Um, but is, it, is there a possibility that 
this technology could advance to a point where it could coach us or it could um, help our brain even get to the point of getting to this enlightenment type of deal that, you, that you're referring to. Do you think that's possible? I don't know. Like the thing that concerns me the most is that if you have any kind of software that's doing something for you, it's taking away a certain percentage of your willpower. So for example, for example, you would have a radio where you listen to something and then you have TV where now you're not only listening to something, but you're seeing something. So now your senses are being taken away like they're, they're observing something as opposed to you using your imagination to fill it in your head. True. So I guess the ultimate thing would be like a book. You read a book and, you know, beyond just imagining a story yourself with a book, like you're reading something, but then you can imagine what something looks like, what something sounds like. Like you can create an yeah. entire universe in your head just by using the simplest of things, something sure. that's like written down on a piece of paper. Yeah. So when you add more things to that and now you're adding in computational ability that's being serviced to you by some machine that's in your head now how much is it your actual willpower that's doing it and what does that mean for you as a uh, as an individual so lot, i don't know yeah I mean, even think about it in like in a way that it's not necessarily the technology is doing it for you. I think that uh, it's kind of hard to visualize it, but a the first thing that comes to mind for me is if you guys if you guys have watched Black Mirror at all, mm -hmm. have you seen the episode uh, White Christmas where um, the entire episode kind of takes place in this? Uh, it's all some. It's all just a guy trying to get somebody to make a confession. Another guy, and they're living in this log cabin, and I believe uh, like. Antarctica or something where they're trying to one of them is trying to basically get the other one to confess to a um, witnessing a murder that happened in real life and that the entire episode is taking place inside of um, this simulated world um, where they were able to upload the the consciousness brains of two individuals completely so that he could kind of interrogate somebody over the span of 10,000 years for, let's say and people even in this world serve out their sentences in this virtual world where their feeling in their mind feels like they are trapped inside of a space for 10,000 years where it could just be an hour. And so when I think about technology advancing I'm, I'm, and whether it could help us out with that, I'm thinking if you could place your consciousness inside of a black space, a white space where you can't interact, you can't feel anything, you have no sensory things except for your mind um, that can imagine it, and you're stuck there for 10,000 years when in reality you're actually there for an hour. Could that help us reach the, this enlightenment in a way that we could never do before? I'm not trying to get Tsukiyomi'd. That's <laughs> not, not for me. Um, I, I, I feel like there's like a, that kind of gives me, I don't know how to, any other way to describe it other than like, it, it feels kind of like a, uh, like a like a fantasy, not a fantasy, but like a ideal for like a like a like a heavy duelist, right? Like the kind of like all like the kind of like autist programmer who like you know kind of has most of his like lived experience in his head. Now I'm mm -hmm. sure we, obviously we're gonna have VR and stuff. I, I I do think to some extent we'll be able to like have like a cyberdelic experience of this nature where we can like warp time, but I I don't think that that's like the ideal. I don't think you want experience like ten thousand years of like your memories being wiped like you, you'll come back and like in fact coming back will probably suck because yeah. now you're like you know the rest i don't know i'm sure there's like a 
the way I always thought about like immortality is like there's no reason to have that because then like you'll miss like centuries. It's kind of like how like a month can kind of fly by in your head now when mm-hmm. you're like 30 and you don't even yeah. know the difference. Like it's like well your your brain can't really handle that kind of capacity. Even if yeah. you, I guess if you improve memory, I guess I don't know. I'm sure you could do it, but it's, it would suck. Is all I'm saying. I have no interest in that. That sounds horrible. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, no, and I'm not I'm not disagreeing. I'm not saying that this yeah. is necessarily like a like a utopian vision i'm thinking more about it like if we have this uh as love was saying like if we have this thing that we're supposed to be able to concentrate hard enough on and technology is going to take that away from advancing could it also bring us other new ways of doing it and um it it is true that like we do have like that we do somehow have um time dilation kind of like in our in our brains and ourselves. i mean we know that when somebody's dreaming they could experience what they feel like is hours of a dream um, in just a couple minutes. And that's something that I think is interesting to think about if we could simulate that in the future by releasing certain chemicals and making feel certain things while they're um, unconscious, uh, but making it feel like it's going by a lot further in time. But yeah, that, that or uh, time seething time seething. Yeah. yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. Yes. But uh, I don't know when it comes to, being in the dream state i've always been fascinated by what the limits of that are would you be able to live an entire lifetime within the dream state and then come back and experience this uh, life uh, an example would be have you guys played that uh wonderful game uh chrono trigger chrono trigger oh, yeah. I've, 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 yeah, I've seen it i haven't played it myself it has like the best soundtrack it has oh, such an like amazing Hollow soundtrack oh, Hollow Knight, uh, the soundtrack just makes you yeah think things it just it gets, it gets in you so one of my favorite uh soundtracks from that uh game was the uh, kingdom of zeal one that's the uh the floating islands mm-hmm. so when they went to the kingdom of zeal one of the uh areas they went to was this castle where people were sleeping and mm-hmm. the reason why they were sleeping is the technology and the magic. And it was like both. It was like technological and magical at the same time. And the, it's gotten so advanced that the people were able to just go into these dream states, into these parallel dimensions, and live other lives there while resting comfortably in their bed. So in a way, that is also kind of like becoming an avatar. We were talking earlier about oh, what if we could just get ourselves as avatars into these uh, various planets so we don't actually have to sacrifice our entire life of having to travel there and you know mine asteroids and shit so mm-hmm. to me that kind of experience seems incredibly interesting the idea that we can divest ourselves from only having to live in this form going into another dimension spending some time there and then coming back here when we're ready. Like that interdimensional DMT travel, that is something that I wish more people would start researching. I mean, there were, you know, various documents from the uh, CIA, I believe, talking mm-hmm. about, you know, uh, what was that called? The uh, When people were able to see certain things that were very far away in time and in space. I don't remember the exact word. Somebody in chat helped me out. Let me know what that <laughs> is. I, I don't know it off the top of my head. I don't know, yeah, I don't know what word you're referring to. Yeah, but anyway, it's going to be the whole astral projection, remote viewing yeah. thing. Remote, remote viewing. viewing. Remote viewing. Word. Yeah, that's exactly. So I want to see where the limitations are when it comes to that. And the reason why I'm saying it is because if that is possible to be able to see things even though you're not there, and if it's possible to share in that experience with somebody else, then that's an awful 
big thing to not consider when we're talking about creating a technologically advanced civilization where we're going to have a lot of algorithms doing things for us. Because if that's something that doesn't get trained, then, like I said before, like what is going to be left of humanity? What is the purpose of us existing if everything's done for us? If all of us are going to be like that Wallace and Gromit skit, you remember like when Wallace uh, goes to breakfast, he has like this machine that, you know, wakes him up, pushes the bed out of the way, you know, uh, takes him through the hole, sits him down on the chair, like uh, puts the butter, uh, puts the cheese on his crackers, yeah, yeah. you know, gives it to him. If that's our future, what's the point of living? What's the point of doing anything if everything is done for us? Exactly. And so we got to mail bombs to the universe. That what you're saying, Well, I mean, look at it this way. If he was given, for those who don't know, Tess Kaczynski, he was a volunteer, mind you, subject for the MK Ultra experiments. Is that right, Verse? Can you confirm that? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay, Verse confirmed, so we're good. Okay, so he was he was uh, he was given loads of LSD, and that did something to his mind. So I don't know exactly what happened, but my theory, in my humble opinion, is that if you are exposed to that much psychedelics and it opens up like it opens up a rift into another dimension, then you start to realize, oh my god, we're capable of this shit. And then when you're back here, you're thinking, man, like, we're not really going to be able to get to the next level if we're going to be trapped by all this tech around us. So, yeah, I'm going to try as much as I can to stop this from occurring. Ah, I see the uh, the fight between. Oh, you're saying he he's had like a uh, like a religious experience, and you're saying there's a fight between that embodied religious experience and the tech. Exactly, mm -hmm. but if he were to actually admit that in his manifesto, people would think he's crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, can't well, have that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of other things. <laughs> but I I think that like I think that rightfully so. I mean, because of the reason that like somebody could be feeling that they're experiencing that could just be their own thoughts taken to an extreme and somebody else taking LSD could have a very different view of some super advanced technological world that is having a huge benefit for humanity and, and people can get different views while they're taking the psychedelics and it, it could be based off of just simply what they are perceiving or, or like when they get down into their thoughts, how it's affecting their brain specifically could be playing a huge role in that. And so I think that everybody could have a different kind of experience that they could view as a religious experience because they think it's real in the moment. Um, but it might not be a view into another dimension, but also, but just a view into their, their own mind. But hmm. where, well, I guess the question is where is the, uh, Where's the uh, wall between the two? Where does your mind stop and the other dimension begin? There mm. was a uh, there was a Buddhist quote. I think it was from the Tibetan Book of the Dead when they were talking about how when you die you see all these various angry gods around you, and how all those gods they do say like these gods they're all in your mind, even the though DMT they're elves. yeah even though they're real they're still in your mind, meaning that the mind is not yours only. It's like the shared mind of all of consciousness, but it's still just like all in your mind. At least that's the way that I interpret it. Sure. Where you shouldn't take it that seriously that you're seeing a lot of these things. They're just, they're just part of this grand 
I know Mysterious Mansion wants to slap me. I'm going to slap you first, bit. That's the pimp slap to Mysterious Mansion. Anyway, he's a friendly person in the chat here who has a lot of interesting things to say. I love you, Mysterious Mansion. Please make sure to subscribe to the stream. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, listen, getting back to the subject of... Uh, DMT elves. DMT the, the elves. machine elves yes. are making fun of you at the gates of exactly. uh, death or whatever. Yeah. And uh, there are various thinkers talking about the machine elves. Like, for example, we have, uh, I don't think it was Timothy Lear. I think it was the other guy who went to a Tibetan Aldous Lama. Huxley? Not oh. Aldous Huxley. No, I'm trying to remember his name right now. I'm going to write it down, see if I can uh, remember the exact uh, quote. But there was this guy. Oh, it was, uh, of course, Terence McKenna. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so Terence McKenna, he visited a uh, Tibetan Lama, and he asked the Lama, uh, after the Lama took a DMT, well, Lama, what do you think? What What's this experience like for you? And the Tibetan Lama told him that these are the lesser lights of the bardo, and that you can go no further after this. Like, if you go further, then you're going to be gone. That's it. You're you're gonna be you're gonna be trapped forever. You're not gonna be able to escape. So, to mm. me, that's not a great sign about what exactly these DMT entities are. I don't think that we should be in the business of taking drugs in order to experience them, because kind of like taking the uh, Elon Musk Neuralink, the drugs I think are a crutch. They do. They give you access to something without you having earned it, and this is mm -hmm. why I am very much against using drugs as opposed to meditating. So I don't know. Uh, verse, where does your stance when it comes to psychedelics? Um, I don't do them anymore because uh, I don't need to be any more schizophrenic. So <laughs> I kind of leave that to the. I leave that to the past verse. But um, I do find it funny. I don't know. I feel like the, uh, the from my opinion on like what you see, like these like machine elves or demons or uh, whatever. Like, I, I always have like the kind of like uh, merger of like Mass Effect, where there's like we're bringing like machine uh, AI uh, aliens in through another dimension so they could take over. Uh, combined with like I don't know visions of demons, I'm like, oh, that's kind of all the same story. Uh, you kind of see, you kind of like befriend these little like interdimensional entities. And you're like, oh, they're all in my head, and they kind of like give you ideas. And then next thing you know, all these ideas kind of culminate at the end of civilization, where we bring them forth. Like, like it's part of me thinks that like the urge of like you know like Elon or somebody to make make AI like a, a generalized AI, and the urge to like be on DMT to talk to the the machine elves is the same urge. And then the machine elves want a avatar in the AI. That's like that's like my schizo theory, but you know. Well, that's also the Alex Jones theory as well. When he was on mm. Joe Rogan's podcast, he was talking about how the elves, they want into our dimension and really mm -hmm. like they are lower dimensional forms than we are. Human beings are superior, but they want to seduce us by introducing us to all kinds of great uh, technology and such so that we open up the gate and let them in through AI and how they're building this AI control grid that everybody's going to be a part of and their mm. willpower is going to be sapped and these machine elves will that come in and uh, I don't know, like Matt, g bring some sense now that you're back. Bring some <laughs> sense in what I'm talking about Round here. Us. Yes, when it comes to the AI and the demons coming out and escaping and invading us, uh, help us out here, Matt. 
Well, clearly they didn't want me to hear anything, anything going on here. Cause they're, they're in the, they're in the wires, you know, making sure that our, our, uh, our, our, our internet sucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, uh, I don't believe in machine elves. Uh, I'm, I'm a pretty strict materialist. Um, you know, I, 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 uh, I don't really have a thing. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, <laughs> I go back and forth on whether that's based or not. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I don't really believe in machine elves. I don't really believe in other stuff like that. I do think the human mind is just immensely more powerful than we let it be in a lot of cases. Like, you know, the, I think there's a lot of, uh, 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 you know, there's a lot of interesting mental states that can be accessed with training or with chemicals that, uh, you know, that are, that are, that, that add value to the human condition. You know, the, the whole concept of being able to reach like jhana, right. You know, with via meditation, I think is extremely interesting and shows up in a bunch of different cultures. There's the, you know, there's, there's interesting psychosomatic stuff that goes on, but you know, I, I don't really buy the machine elves thing. I don't really buy the whole, um, you know, the whole like spiritual relationship between uh, like notional artificial intelligence entities uh, and, you know, I don't think they have a soul. I don't think there's any way to impart a soul onto, you know, onto, onto, uh, uh, onto a machine like that, uh, at least not with current, you know, not with current generation technology. Uh, you know, maybe, 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 maybe shit will get a lot weirder, uh, in, you know, uh, once we're, once we're, uh, you know, once, once basically once we have chips that can reconfigure themselves, but like, that's at least, that's at least 20, 30 Past years the, away. The uh, event horizon. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. Madib cannot see beyond the, the knife fight. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's, a uh, it's a, uh, uh, y- you know, I, I think there's definitely room for like something kind of like, uh, spirituality, I guess, but. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't really connect with that. Well, there's a, a smoking. I, I, what is the larger question, though? I, I mean, okay, well, you, here's the here's smoking like, gun. You know, Here... psychedelics, right? I, that, yeah, well, it's, uh... it's more about human willpower when I talk about psychedelics, not so much about sure, whether sure. there is a spiritual land uh, or not, and we can get into that later, but more about the idea that if you give your willpower over to a crutch, like if you get... I mean, there's two ways of looking at it, and I think they're both pretty heckin' valid. Number one is if you take psychedelics, you're not really training yourself to appreciate the world at the same level as you would with a psychedelic. So, for example, for those who know me, you know that I do the meditation stuff, and like I have various visual things that occur during that time, and... I think that if you limit yourself to taking the psychedelics in order to achieve that, while at the same time, if there are beyond whatever I've experienced, there are stories of people like use the word jhana or yana or however you pronounce it, these transcendent yeah, states that, uh, that. Sorry. No, no, I think you did j- better than I did. Anyway, when there are these uh, states that people get into in a totally sober way, there was a very interesting book that I read about this called Mastering the Core Teachings of the Buddha, where they talked about these states mm. having such interesting results where you would be able to generate like a full blockbuster movie inside of your head, like highest budget, anything you want to see, like imagine the most, the clearest dream you've ever had. 
but then being able to do that whenever you want to and seeing everything, like not imagining it, but actually seeing it in real time. That is something that to me is incredible just to consider the possibility of that being done. And I know that there are steps, baby steps that can be taken to that because I've experienced them myself. So when I imagine that and then imagine somebody burning themselves out on psychedelics where now you have this artificial thing that's doing it for you, I can imagine that's going to be that helpful towards you being able to utilize, call it willpower, call it whatever you want, in order to achieve those ends. So that's more so, of just like a material um, material view. But real quick, right, right. The, the spiritual view would be that if there are certain lessons that you should learn through being in these states, you're getting them, you're getting them too early. Like you're knocking the door down before you're allowed to enter the building, if that makes sense. So that would be more right. of like a karmic way of looking at it if, again, there is such a thing. Yeah, the, so that specific book actually caused a significant rift within the particular subculture with which I'm most closely affiliated uh, uh, and was actually considered to be one of the, the original great info hazards, like a, a, a piece of correct information that could potentially make your life a lot worse. <laughs> uh, and we're, we're, we're talking yeah. about mastering the core yeah. teachings of the Buddha uh, right, yeah. by I mean, that, 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 yeah. specific, that specific book. I see. I I uh, I, mm. I, uh, I I fall into the, um, the the opposite camp. I'm I'm more of a better living through chemistry kind of guy. Uh, I think that uh, I think that um, uh, ultimately, what you know, what is happening, and there is a chemical state, and you know, if it is, if it exists in reality, it has to be at least to some degree reproducible. Uh, and, and if, uh, you know, if you can reproduce it via meditation or via, you know, large quantities of, 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 of psilocybin or large quantities of, you know, DMT or what have you, uh, I don't really see that huge of a difference between the two. Um, but I do think that, uh, the idea of like developing a sort of mental discipline around that kind of psychonautic, uh, enterprise is important just because you might i i've I've done a fair amount of psilocybin um and in large amounts uh typically whenever whenever i i do do it um uh and i've always very consciously you know and here yeah strict strict materialist i'm about to go you know edge into very goofy shit but uh i i've i've always i've always uh you know when i've done that um even in moments where i've uh you know i i sort of ceased to have access to like the the idea of the ego or you know of the self or what have you i still uh through um an, an enormous amount of uh you know effort on the front end of that sort of thing and then also just sort of this like passive uh contemplative return to you know the, the return to it I, I always hang on this thread of of like connection to reality even if it's very very tenuous you know my brain's still doing like a you know an updating loop on the data that it's taking in it's just you know the like analogy breaks down the, the you know the the codec if you will in your brain that's you know that's taking uh raw in, raw sensory inputs and then making sense of them is you know might be broken but that doesn't necessarily mean that your brain is broken. You're still remembering things. Therefore, you can still 
uh, you know, to some degree, uh, just as you would with like a, a lucid dream or something, uh, reason about things within the context of that environment. And I think that uh, I, I think that a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the 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 the, the meditative like Buddhist sort of stuff um, is centered around uh, building, uh, di you know, discipline and also uh, enlightenment uh, hand in hand. Um, I, I personally think you should develop a, you know, highly disciplined way of reasoning about the world, irrespective of how many drugs or how much meditation you're, <laughs> you know, how many drugs you're taking or how much meditation you're doing. Uh, and I, to the extent that that differs from, you know, from, from like the ultimate ends of Buddhist practice, I, I'm not really sure, but, uh, I don't know, that's, that's kind of how I, I view it. Well, there is a problem mm -hmm. with, let's say people getting too spaced out. I mean, uh, let's say a lot of the Burning Man crowd, they get yeah. into that mindset so much that they stop being grounded into reality and they spend all their time in the clouds. But that is, again, I think it actually goes more to my entire thesis here about the psychedelics being kind of the problem. Because if you're relying on these external things to bring you into these states, and I think like somebody like yourself, Matt, you are going to fare way better than a lot of other people just because you do have this grounded sense of reality in you to begin with. But for a lot of people, I've seen people, you know, that they don't seem to, they seem to be kind of like the whole hungry ghost stereotype, you know, like they seem to exist for the sake of having these experiences. And when they don't yeah. have these experiences, they can't really sit there quietly being able to just like use their fucking imagination and just generate whatever the hell they want. And that to do me you, is a big, big issue here. Do, do you think that, do you think that this sort of thing is kind of related to uh, the ability to, um, uh, uh, what one might call uh, narrative versus non-narrative thinking? Like, are people who are more uh, inclined towards, like, narrative reasoning about the world uh, more susceptible, in your view, to uh, getting, uh, you know, unmoored, basically, if they do a bunch of drugs? What do you mean by narrative versus non-narrative? The aphantasia versus the... You know, Wait, ver verse. The, explain for the doo doo heads like me here what what exactly you're talking about. So he's. I'm trying to use like the the internet jargon for what he's saying. Um. So like a narrative, uh, a narrative like uh, I guess, mind or consciousness, or whatever, would be like people who don't have like visual representations of their thoughts, right? And they have like they hear like like for example, like you'll hear people with what's called aphantasia. They'll every once in a while you get the post that's like way you guys can see the images when you're reading i just see the words right and then that's like the narrative versus like visual spatial kind of mental model they call people who cannot produce images in their brain at all they have aphantasia and something like 30 percent, 20 i can't remember the meme number and uh, that was like the whole like can you imagine the red apple meme uh, that was yes, on twitter and then word cell shape rotators that's like runes thing it's it's kind of a reoccurring meme Okay, I remember now. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, there are people who I've spoken to who just say, oh, like, I always see, like, all these fractal patterns, like, when I close my eyes. And these are just, like, you know, regular people who never really thought that much of it. So it's very funny, like, how different people experience reality from how we think we do. Like, Chill Fuel, when you close your eyes, what do you see? Um, 
I think it's like mostly like uh, things that I just have to, that I believe just have to do with the light, how that, I mean, when closer, I see different colors of um, balls like that, yeah. that, that I did. I mean, I think if I close them and like I rub my eyes, I think that like one thing I used to always do as a kid that I just loved doing was closing my eyes and kind of like, like covering them up so like, like there was no light coming in. Yeah. And at that point, I, your mind could kind of create, my mind would kind of create like weird uh, images and they would start off as like small things that probably have to do with something that has to do with the makeup of the eye itself but i, I would see like little little so f- first you have to put pressure in order to do that first oh. right sometimes you wouldn't have to i mean I, I sometimes it was just like putting my hands in front of my eyes so that it would so that no light would get through this might of, be me because I've, I've done too many drugs i see them like at any time i like unfocus like this like red yellow dots and then there's like the green triangles and yeah so yeah kind of like and like they kind of all that. morph randomly and do yeah things yeah and i used to do it as a kid for sure with like my eyes closed and they make them if you put pressure it works but i might yeah. be fucked now because i just see them <laughs> is there is there a certain plan to how you see because one of the things i'm very fascinated by is being able to track if there is some commonality to how people experience these various states so okay i'll give you an example when i come out of a dream something that's super common like if it's a super realistic dream as soon as i wake up from it i see a a grid like grid lines and the grid Mm. starts to uh, dissipate but there's there's a grid uh another example would be seeing a tunnel like an actual tunnel that i'm going through when i'm like in between a dream so Mm. when it comes to the way that these triangles for example in your case verse are displayed are they just like floating randomly or is there a certain uh stage that's being set up here where the triangle would take its place in a certain proper area that no no no. it's like a lot of them and it's like random and it's like fractal expanding towards me yeah interesting i would agree agree with it from my experience with it and i would say like if you if you try to like i mean when you're doing it if like you try to think about like an image being where you would be looking i guess like you can imagine it in a certain corner or some type of thing and i i i feel like that was something that i've experienced um Mm -hmm. but it's it's fairly random so and what about you lucas Lucas might be dealing with his cats. All right. <laughs> no, sorry. I was muted there for a sec. But no, uh, I don't know. I kind of see the uh, organic-y fractals, like the shrooms type things, if I close my eyes. So like the fra- fractals with the curves, right? Yeah. But I, don't know if, I don't know if fractals is even really the, the word for it. But basically any sort of uh, any sort of organically shaped, bounded thing. And then I can do a lot of tessellations, and I guess we can zoom in. I'm trying it now. I have a lot more, uh, I have a lot more control over this than I thought I did. Hmm. And by the way, Mysterious Mansion is totally right. When he says unclog your toilet, he's talking about the spiritual toilet. Mm. You have to allow the pipes of the Kundalini to freely flow up and down. So you got to unclog yes. those pipes. And uh, Matt, what about yourself? When you close your eyes after all this time of the shroomery? What do you see when it's like pitch black? I'm not even talking about like the after effects of like whatever light happened to be in the eyes, right, but like right. when it's like pitch black, what do you see? Nothing that I would, nothing that I would attempt to like, you know, uh, match a match a specific pattern onto. Um, you know, there's. I also kind of uh, to like visual field and visualization in your head are like two different things for me at least. Um, 
like both of those routines can run concurrently uh and and not really get in each other's way um you know if like it when i'm when i'm doing a lot of you know cogitation if you will uh i you know just like thinking abstractly or symbolically or what have you uh that typically is happening while i'm just you know staring off into space or pacing around or you know autistically stimming uh, <laughs> that's that's typically the you know the i i don't really i don't really have a practice where i sit down with my eyes closed and like you know summon things you, you know what i mean like that that's not really something i've ever i've hmm. really found useful to do well we're talking about two different things here because what you're talking about is you wouldn't are you just talking are you talking are you talking about like what do the like when when there's no light input what is the what is my brain like filling yes in? yes exactly that would be the visual part of it because the imagination that is a whole see that's where i get a bit confused when people ask the question of how do you see the apple when you imagine it because like i could say oh well i see the full fucking thing but then if I asked it in a different way, what do you actually see? Most people would say, like, verse, you'd probably see, like, the triangles. And chill fuel, you'd see some uh, patterns as well. But you wouldn't actually see the apple right there when you close your eyes, right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to make up, like, I, I can imagine, like, a kind of an, an apple. Like, I can imagine, like, an image. Um, but I wouldn't say that I am actually seeing that image exactly. It, it's not like I can like picture what it looks like and then draw it out and continue looking at this image that I'm making of it in my mind and like draw it out. But I, I, I can, can picture an image if like you try it and you can see what it looks like, but I'm not actually seeing a picture per se. Well, the reason why I bring that up and why I was asking Matt, uh, you as well, what exactly do you see in the uh, dark? From what I understood from that mastering the core teachings of the Buddha book is that when he was talking about that kind of state that people get into, they don't say it in the case of trying to just uh, imagine something as if you're just, you know, like imagining something. But actually, like you are quite literally seeing this in front of you, you know, when you close your eyes, at least if I'm not mistaken, that's what I got from what he was saying. I don't know. So, I mean, I, I never did anything of that degree, but I mean, there's certain drugs that like specifically do the in-person, like, for example, like uh, LSD is very clearly in your brain, right? You're very aware that it's like your perception that's fucked. Um, whereas like if you're on like DMT, it does not feel like your perception is messed up at all. You feel very sober and then like it's everything's happening outside of you so that that does happen um and then shrooms is kind of in between it depends if it's nighttime outside or anything i don't know it's... so the reason why i'm uh, asking this as well is the smoking gun to me would be if we figure out a way that when we get into these various states it's one thing to just experience it on your own and have an interesting time and that's it it's another thing to experience it and to have another person narrate exactly what you experience because they experience the same thing. If that is something that can be proven, I think that there were certain, I don't know, and again, it's like hearsay. There were certain tests that were done with people who were taking psychedelics where they did report mutually seeing a similar thing, like having a similar experience, being in each other's experience. 
but these were not things that are able to be, you know, that quantitated, you know, having like this mass study of people who would report seeing the same thing. But if that was the case, like Matt, for yourself, if we found out that there were these experiences that people are able to have where they go into some place that they interact with somebody else who could be completely far away and then they report the uh, experiences as being the same, then to me, that's it. Like once, once you figure out that that's possible, then all bets are off. Yeah, I've heard a lot of versions of that sort of of that sort of thing. I still haven't heard of uh, uh, a uh, sufficiently sophisticated experimental approach to that that uh, um, you know that, that can eliminate uh, just like inferential pattern matching uh, as the as the reason for people um, you know for for people synchronizing like what they thought they experienced in a given moment. Um, well and I've, I've heard, I've heard there, there's this, there's this like phenomenology research Institute that brings in a, some relatively high profile, um, you know, neuroscientists and other folks like that. Uh, I think mainly cause they kind of have fun, you know, doing, doing, uh, uh, you know, ghostbusters style, you know, fun we, this would never make it through an IRB today, you know, uh, uh, experiments on each other, you know, not on university dime and uh, that, you know, a lot of a lot of folks like that kind of play around with that sort of thing. But uh, I, you know, even talking with people who have attempted to assess this sort of stuff rigorously, I don't really see any, I don't really see any, uh, uh, any, any actual thing happening there. For now, I, I, I don't, yes. I don't think I don't think tell a yeah, I, I don't think uh, telepathy is is real. No, I, no, I, I just it's think still, that I it's just still real that, to me, that, damn it! It's still real I, to I me, damn it! Yeah, I, I think I think the the human mind is an exceptionally exceptionally powerful tool for inferences, for pattern matching, for a wide variety of uh, generalized tasks that um, you know that allow. Uh, human to, uh, you know, essentially just backfill based on very limited information, a lot of stuff that is pretty likely to be correct. Um, and I think that's how you get uh, that. That's that's how you get uh, uh, people who are, you know, like astrally projecting into Soviet missile silos or whatever. They're not actually astrally projecting into Soviet missile silo. They're a, you know, they're a military officer who's got a clearance who's probably seen the inside of an American missile silo and knows what Cyrillic looks like and has, you know, and has basically intuited roughly what that would look like. Yeah. It's uh, possible. I have to look at a little bit more. The other things that I'm fascinated by are some experience that the people talk about having when they're down under, not in Australia, but when they're in uh, anesthesia. That's not what you call ah, it. Yeah. What do you call? Am I saying it correctly? Yeah, you're saying that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Being under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, under yeah, exactly. So th there is another example I can give just from my own personal experiences for what that's worth. There is this kid I know. He was, I think, uh, I don't know, like 12 years old at the time, friend of the family. When the family came mm -hmm. over, we did this uh, thing where I got the mindfold. I put it on his eyes and I asked him to describe the room. And he was able to describe in front of me 
where what was located in the room. And this thing, it completely blocks out mm -hmm. your entire eyesight. And to me, that was like, holy shit, like either this kid was able to memorize all of these objects that were in the room, or there's something going on here having to do with like younger people, which is was frequently, again, not something that was written down and confirmed, but was frequently appearing, uh, you know, as anecdotal evidence that these kids, they have certain things that end up being lost eventually. You could call it imagination, but at a certain point, if they're able to describe objects that are completely blocked out from what you would consider to be, you know, like the ability to see, then what do you make out of that? That, to me, is very interesting. Yeah, I think that most of the times, like, like the, it, it, we haven't seen a, and maybe I'm incorrect in this, I mean, I've just, I haven't done the research on it, but I think most of the time we, we haven't seen something that is concrete enough to say that, that this person has the ability to view the perception of others and that it's not something that could be coming from a, like, memorization or um, something else. And, and I think that when it comes to people, like, when you're younger, I think that there's definitely a larger type of like memory for imagination i think that some of that kind of comes from you not having all the same worries on your mind kind of like ignorance is type of bliss type of thing where um it might be easier for you for, for when you're a kid to walk into a room and memorize everything um that is there rather than someone who's an adult who has a bunch of different things on their mind and has to um put some of their mental process towards those things to worry about and um, when you're a kid, you're a little bit less mindful of those type of things. And they might have a better memory of their visual stuff because it's more of what the perception is based off of. It's definitely also, possible. Also, if you're really yeah. small, there are, there are like basic self-defense reasons to, uh, or self, not self-defense, self-preservation reasons to have a really good continuous map of your environment around you. Um, mm -hmm. That's actually a really interesting, that's a really interesting capability test. Like, you know, have, have someone like, you know, look at a room for three seconds, turn the light off and then, you know, see how many times they bump into something on like an IR cam or something like that. I think that would be a, that that's, that's one of those, that's one of those like uh, actual quantitative uh, uh, and both quantitative uh, and also interesting as opposed to, you know, highly that's the chimpanzee test. Strained. Oh, the, the chimpanzee walks through yeah. the yeah. walks through the. No, no, that's not. No, no, the, no, the, no, button, with the, no, the, the number of memory test. The, the, it's, it's, the, it's like that, but like visual spatial. Yeah, the chimpanzee one. It, it's yeah, it's pretty what similar to it. I think I that the difference between it would be that like the chimpanzee one isn't using something that we would probably in nature ha need to memorize. Whereas like if we have it as a room or something that's visually around us that would like have some importance to memorizing it, rather than just what number it appeared where on a thing, it is a little bit different. Wait, can you describe for those who don't know what exactly happened? in the chimpanzee test yeah, it was well, given food was but there were like numbers it had to press right yeah so i mean they effectively gave it a treat they like flashed really quickly like numbers like one through ten or one through twenty i think i feel like it was like ten maybe twenty something like that but it like flashed instantly and then you would have the chimpanzee go against a human and and then have to uh press the numbers from one to ten or whatever right and do it all from that one instance, that one flash. And it's like really fast. It's not like, um, it's definitely less than a second, right? So um, the chimpanzees would do it like 
easy peasy and like get it right almost every single time, even at really high speeds and with large numbers, uh, yeah. and way better than humans. And it was like kind of, it was kind of to the similar things that like they would have better, they had more of a need to like memorize, have a map yeah. of like their visual field, right? So they it's it more kind important of, for them. Part of it was like a memory, like is memory important for general IQ type of thing. That was like, I think the purpose of the test, I can't remember exactly. Interesting. And there are other examples of uh, animals like Rupert Sheldrake wrote about this, uh, where animals are able to sense when an earthquake comes way before a lot of the seismographs are able to do so. So that has mm -hmm. also been very fascinating to me. Like, what exactly do these animals have mm -hmm. that allow them to do that? Or something, you know, a little bit more commonplace, like, for example, looking at a school of fish and just thinking about what is this? Like, how exactly are all these fish able to coordinate to be in, like, this fish tornado, like, this beautiful spiral shape that's being created by all these fish at once? You know, like, that's... Read, read, read Stephen Wolfram's New Kind of Science. It will blow your mind. You're, you will really find that interesting. Seriously. You, new I, Kind I of Science. I said... Yeah, I sent Vera's this via DMs just now. But uh, yeah, it's just, uh, uh, what, what, uh, are you familiar with like cellular automata? No, what is cellular automata? So it's, it's, a, it's a, basically a, a, an extremely constrained simulation environment where, uh, you know, where you have this like, you know, this, this, this grid, right, with little squares on it. And the squares change state depending on the state of adjacent squares which means that you can propagate things through this grid. Um, and, and this allows you this like nice constrained, easy to reason about environment through which, uh, in which you can, um, uh, 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 you know, look at a lot of these like, you know, toy emergent phenomena. Um, that, uh, you know, that sort of like uh, something that is, that appears to be more than the sum of its parts emerging from, uh, you know, from interactions of, uh, you know, squares that uh, squares that uh, uh, follow rules can be extrapolated then, you know, up to, uh, you know, many, many, many orders of magnitude higher complexity. And then, you you know, it's not too many jumps conceptually, uh, though it is a lot of jumps in terms of complexity uh, to, to get to, you know, swallow murmurations. Uh, you know, like like birds moving in it, you know, birds or fish, you know, moving in the the sort of cyclonic fashion that you were describing, uh, you know, or buffalo herds, you know, moving around a moving around a a a, a, a plane, you know, it, it it appears to be all you know all coordinated, but what's really happening is that you know one buffalo is literally bumping into the ass of the buffalo in front of it every time it runs out of grass, and from this. You get this, you know, you get this, this, uh, this more efficient than like, you know, than, than, uh, a star, like space filling, you know, thing that just is creeping along the landscape, you know, on a, on a constant opportunistic, like calorie hunt. And it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's kind of, kind of neat when you, you know, apply you know, emergent, uh, emergent, uh, uh, models to that sort of thing. I've been hearing that word a lot, emergent, emergent phenomena. That's been used a lot to describe, uh, well, life itself, like what exactly this is. But I still end up uh, not, not, uh, not understanding what exactly is the initiator of the emergence. Because if something emerges, 
from what does it emerge from? You know, just emergence by itself, there doesn't seem to be any agency to this emergence other than just emergence. But that also seems kind of religious in a way because you're attributing it to this thing that you just call emergence. As far as the identity of this emergence, it's not really known. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's, does there have to be, or rather, it's like a mob, right? A mob doesn't, there might be an initiation, but the initiation didn't mean to start the mob. It was some person doing some arbitrary thing, and then it kind of, you know, yeah. cascaded into a mob, right? And then the mob is behaving in su such a way that we can track its macro behavior and then make, like, you know, retroactive commentary about it. But the mob is also just pure chaos in, in reality from like one individual to the next. So it's like the cause of the emergence doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the emergence itself. Uh, in that case, no. In the case of something like consciousness, for example, like me at least thinking that I am this conscious individual and you thinking the same thing, then mm -hmm. it's a little bit different because if we're attributing the emergent phenomenon to us seeing reality from our own perspective here that's much more of a greater leap and i'm not saying it's impossible well, there's no way for me to know but for this i'm gonna i'm gonna so for this this is like multiple multiple layers of abstraction right so like in theory to kind of give this idea credence the emergent phenomena would be like perception and then consciousness would be like a recursive like recursion of perception so it's like a perception of yourself and now you have meta narratives and such Right. So it's like now you can think about yourself and, and, and like and, and edit your own behavior and, and whatever. And now there's like a, a, a self-concept. Right. And that's like multiple abstraction layers above just the emergent phenomena of like neurons firing or something. But that's that's the process of what's happening. But who is it that is experiencing it? Do you see it? Like that's. Oh, I mean, that's sure. The big mystery. I mean, that's the I'm OK with the. Uh, basically any inter i mean i'm pretty i'm a monist but i'm not really a materialist i guess i don't know i'm like one substrate whatever and then you can you guys can figure out the rest i don't really uh i i think a lot of it's talking about the same thing so i don't really feel compelled one way or the other hmm. all right back um, back to uh uncle ted and Elon Musk, because we've been mm -hmm. in the weeds too much here. I want to ask a final thing about those two, one of which is overpopulation or underpopulation. I don't know what Uncle Ted's position was when it came to the amount of people that are alive on the planet Earth. I know that Elon Musk is not a fan of us having less kids. But uh, what do you guys think when it comes to the uh, population question? I mean, I want to start with Matt just because, Matt, you build machines that build machines. Can we exist possibly in a world where we wouldn't need as many people where Elon Musk is still, you know, he's going to be all right because we're going to have enough of these machines to make the machines and we mm -hmm. wouldn't need as many people. I mean, that's kind of like I don't want to go all Klaus Schwab, you know, uh, in this conversation. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're World Economic Forum lizard lizardry. Uh, yes. I, 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 um, I, I'm a, as many people as possible kind of guy. Uh, I think that, uh, 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 you know, the greatest good for the greatest number, uh, can, well, actually I'm not going to tie that into utilitarianism right now. Cause that's a whole, whole day. Anyway, I, I, I think that we should maximize the number of human beings, um, 
you know, within, within reason and within, you know, carrying capacity of the, of the, you know, of the resources we have. I also think that uh, the actual carrying capacity of, of earth, uh, you know, in terms of human life, um, uh, under the sorts of technological conditions that I think we're likely to have in say a hundred years is, uh, is, is like in the hundreds of billions of people. I, I really don't think that, uh, we're anywhere near, um, that we're anywhere near anything resembling a, a, a hard limit on the, uh, on the, on the, the, the carrying capacity of the planet. Uh, hmm. you know, and that's not even taking into account the, you know, the, the, the potential for, you know, homesteading in the galaxy, uh, which, you know, which we're gonna want, uh, fair enough of, uh, or a fair, fair amount of, uh, you know, people to do. So well, uh, yeah, just I'm, I'm to, a maximalist in, in that regard. Just to offer a slightly uh, more nuanced way of looking at this, I don't necessarily want to imagine this as an all-or-nothing thing of talking about, like, is the planet's carrying capacity, you know, overwhelmed or not? I don't think it is. I agree with you. But sure, more sure. in the way of if there are, let's say, certain places like certain towns or cities where there are too many people and there's not going to be enough people who are going to know how to live in a, uh, you know, like, like take a look at, for example, I don't know, San Francisco right now with the homeless population there, for example, mm -hmm. you know, where you just have like a, too many junkies who are homeless who are out there. Yeah. You don't have enough good family structures. You don't have enough, uh, people looking out for each other in order to prevent a lot of this homelessness from coming about in the first place. And I'm, and I imagine mm -hmm. that there are places all around the world. Like my friend, uh, he was recently in the middle East right now in uh, Egypt. And he was talking about how chaotic it is over there, how you have tons of beggars on the street. It's like Mad Max world over there. And yeah. when you have that many people and you're not doing as good of a job at taking care of the people who are already there as far as bringing them upright, making sure that they have access to a community that cares about them, then it's not a question of, like, do we have too many people to sustain the planet? It's more about are the people that we do have being given enough fertile ground to become the best, I mean, maybe not the best version of themselves, but at least a version of themselves that's not going to create, like, a lot of chaos and homelessness and crime and a lot of problems. Like that, I think is more of the uh, I don't know I don't know if nuance is the right word here, but that's what I would uh, ask as far as how do we create more of uh, a situation where we're not going to deal with so many people that are causing crime and that are disorderly, where there's going to be enough people to manage the people that we do have. Yeah, I, I think that for the for the most part, the standing of standard of living is like has been rising for. Um, very long time. I mean, they say that like the average person today lives better than a king did 500 years ago, and and for the most part, that's pretty accurate. Um, I think like the, the question revolves around whether we can advance technology um, at a rate that surpasses uh, the growing population. If if technology is able to um, keep up with with the population as it grows, and um, I think that I think that it will for the most part. I think that. The bottom line to a lot of things that there are always going to be bad people there are always going to be people that are going to commit crimes either way um even if the standing out of living is having a safe 
home to live in um that's not necessarily going to mean that everybody is going to abide by that and that there aren't going to be people that are going to still commit crimes um for more and i i think it's kind of a i think the standard of living will come get to a place um as technology advances that we will be able to sustain everybody with the bare minimum um of like having a safe community that they can stay in and food and survive but i i think that it might not look exactly utopian as everybody thinks it might i know like uh verse you were around Mm -hmm. manhattan for uh 2020 you've seen uh some of the things that were going down there it wasn't a matter of people not really you know not having enough a lot of it may have been out of boredom like, oh yeah, there's. I mean, there's that whole like three months period where everyone just incessantly set off a fireworks, and then there was like op eds about how it was like some ter- like there was like the, the people were going crazy because they were stir crazy, but like there were so many like uh, Atlantic op eds and shit like that about the fireworks. But it was like it was like people were bored; they had nothing else to do. But um, I don't know. Nothing I mean, else I to think do other than other than write Atlantic op eds. Oh no! no. Um, it's like the Atlantic people are bored. I'm sorry, yeah. but um, I agree. I think that I don't really have an opinion on the max number of people. I mean, you kind of need if things are a standard distribution, you don't get really good people like Elon or Ted K without there being you know another billion other people because they have to be like you know multiple sigma outside the norm, right? So. You don't get the one in a billion person without a billion people. I mean, that's not correct, but you know what I'm saying, right? And then, like, I think that we, what I do need us to do though, is stop these like IQ shredder locations, like like Singapore and San Francisco, where like smart people are gravitate toward the, towards this, and then they become antinatalists and they don't have kids, and then we just kind of like lower the average IQ of the country, of like the planet, and like, these IQ shredder like. Uh, they're usually tech or finance hubs. Singapore is another one. We need to stop that. And they just kind of like recruit the best people around the world and they kind of just don't have kids. Um, and it's that's not good. But otherwise, the max population, it's going to kind of sort itself out. So that's also why I'm not that big of a fan of Elon's policy of uh, being anti telecommunicate uh, what do you call it? Teleconferencing, you know, where you have to literally be in the office at all times. Because I can imagine a future where you can be a computer engineer and you can work from home, you can live in the woods or whatever with your family, with your fucking homestead, and you can still do things of that nature. You know, maybe like you're the guy who's doing it and somebody else like working the vegetable garden or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that is a much better reality than, like you said, the IQ shredder being cooped up in the office, because that reminds me a lot of that. um, Have you guys seen uh, Idiocracy? I don't think so. Yes. Yes. So yes. Um, the plot of Idiocracy. This is horror a movie. movie. Horror movie. Exactly. <laughs> this is a uh, horror movie by famed horror director Mike Judge, uh, known for Office Space, obviously Beavis and Butthead. The theme of Office Space. Office Space. The the, uh, the theme of Idiocracy is that it's about how all the smart people stop having kids because they never get around to it there's always the classes they have to go to there's always the portfolio review and whatever but the dumb people they have a lot of kids and they keep having kids and as a result in the future you just have a bunch of idiots 
and there aren't any smart people, all the smart people went extinct. But the reason why the dumb people are still alive is because you have the technology. Thank you, Matt. You have the technology that's around them that's able to, uh, you know, provide for them like the basic necessity of life. Yet they keep right. on piling garbage everywhere, and it's just it's like chaos. And Starbucks is now like this robot sex thing. Like when you go into a Starbucks, <laughs> <laughs> I have seen this. I have seen this. Other, other, there we go. Different, the v, the Vietnam yeah. flashbacks are coming back. <laughs> So with the with that kind of reality, that's what I want to avoid. That's why I was bringing up there being people who are, you know, not being raised in the right way. And if we have enough people who are raised in the right way, I think we're going to see a hell of a lot more Elon Musk's if they do have a much better, you know, mm-hmm. uh, level of civilization. There's only, there's only a handful, uh, I, mm-hmm. only a handful of people. Even I, if you have, I, I, it's, there's a lot of conflating factors you need to get at elon musk okay sure whatever right, fuck elon right. musk not not elon no, musk no, i mean i'm least, not the same i'm saying like intelligent conscientious you need like in, like you need like a lot of like high look, look here i'll give you an example in uh, england there was a period of time when a lot of the priests who were you know like what the hell were they doing they didn't have to do that much like they were like landed gentry but they mm-hmm. used the time that they had to create all kinds of inventions. Why? Because they probably had like a rather strict upbringing where they valued being able to put in the time to actually come up with things like that mm-hmm. instead of just fucking around. So that was something that had to be reinforced. So even though like I'm against dictatorships and all that, when it comes to having a certain level of, let's say, a tiger motherliness in the family, again, I think the tiger moms, they push it too far. But if there's like at least more of that that can be infused into more families, uh, still like with keeping like you know love, care, compassion, all that, then I think we'd end up in a good place. But most parents they don't really seem to give a shit about whatever happens to their kids. I could be wrong about it, but it just seems like that seems kind of like a rare quality. Like it seems I don't know if it's just my exposure to a lot of the uh, boomer or Gen X parents that don't really seem to give a shit. But not that many parents seem to give a shit nowadays. I don't know. It just seems like they're just focusing on whatever they want, their needs, and let the kids do whatever the hell the kids want to do. And sure, you could end up with a lot of creative things from there. But at the same time, if you don't have like that kind of a bedrock inclination that's kind of, uh, I wouldn't say forced upon you, but at least highly, highly encouraged early on with parents actually paying attention to what you're doing. I don't know, man, like that seems to also be kind of a recipe for a disaster. And in general, like the American culture where old folks are put into old folks' homes, there's like a, there seems to be a very, very much like a disconnect between the young generation, between Gen Z and all the other generations. I don't know, like chill fuel. Is this something that you're noticing too in the, your neck of the woods? Um. Uh, yeah, I, I think that like uh, there is definitely going to be larger gaps between generations as time goes on, just because of the the rate of how technology has been advancing and how it interacts with our everyday life. And so, um, like, I, I mean, we're seeing it right now. But in terms of like people not caring about what their kids are doing necessarily, I think that that's not um, something that's necessarily a new thing as much as we're seeing it. Um, implemented in new ways uh i mean Mm -hmm. when you go back in time like people are kind of have been 
lot of times they had kids out of necessity, whether they needed more people to work um, on the farm or whether they um, just needed more people around the house to do something. There, there was it was mostly out of necessity. And even going back 50 years ago in um, kind of like the, the giving the kid the iPad at dinner type thing now so that they shut up and start talk, stop talking to you. I think that you can while, while like it's, it's really disturbing to like see uh, so much of that happen. I think that when you go back and look at it like throughout time, you're kind of seeing parents do that, but in a different way where it's like, yeah, go out of the house, hang out with your friends, go down to the lake and do something for the full day. Um, and while that act in itself is more, um, I guess, not controlled by a piece of technology, it still has to do with the fact that the parents, um, a lot of the times were still focused on themselves. I mean, it wasn't like as soon as they had a kid, their entire life is now going to be focused on that kid instead of themselves. Um, but yeah, that's, that's much my take on it. I don't know. Do you think that that is necessarily uh, a good thing or a bad thing to oh, focus I, on I, yourself um, as a parent? Let's say as a when parent. You, yeah, when you were a parent, are you supposed to give your entire life now to your kid, or do you have some room to focus on your own self, your project, date night with the misses? Yeah, I mean, definitely not your entire, definitely not your entire life. I mean, when you do have a kid, you are. Um, you are you do have to put a certain amount of like your time into that and making sure that, that like they have everything they need that they're okay and stuff um but it doesn't mean that you need to completely forget about everything that you wanted in life other than kids and i think that that's something that can become an issue a lot of the times with with parents raising kids is that they can become so um revolved around just their kids identity and what their kids will go on to do that that when they move out and they start doing things on their own parents then become lost and don't have a self-identity outside of being a parent um so i definitely don't think you want to give up everything i mean it that's that's not the way to do it but, but even even that part too though i think uh and this is totally like a conspiracy theory on my part when it comes to the united states coming from like a russian jewish household what i notice is i think that there's like this big plot that's been created to not keep families together where there's this idea of leaving the nest and you know becoming your own, you know jesse lee pierce beta when it comes to you know, like the uh the the men who still have you know the connection with their uh, family but in a way doesn't that make the family the clan if you will stronger when you're actually all together and when you support each other instead yeah, of having yeah. this divergence i mean definitely i mean if, if you if you have a group of people that um if they're raised in the same way and have the same experiences for their entire duration of their life, they're much more likely to be closer bonded. I think that that's definitely a thing. Um, I haven't looked too much into whether there's some type of um, higher higher type of power pushing a. Uh, no, I was, I was just fucking around. I don't. I don't know about it personally. I just had. Yeah. I hadn't heard that. But um, but, you, but, but yeah. you're in a you're in an interesting position though because. You, as a YouTuber, have you ever gone to any of those, I don't know, YouTuber parties or uh, whatever? I don't know, like these these houses that the YouTubers live in and they all live together and they work on, you know, they do the uh, 
the webcam. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know um, what I'm trying to say here? Yeah, yeah not not um, content myself. creator house it, it, or whatever. Exactly yeah. with 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 that type of experience. Um, but I have had experiences with um, getting in a house with like-minded people um, that were had to do more about uh, business development, things like that. Uh, getting together in a group of house uh, with a bunch of people that were all trying to work on some startup. Um, my well, actually one of my family members started doing uh, created a business in doing that at a certain point, trying to put people together that all uh, had a similar type of goal, um, whether it be mostly business related um, in their own niches. We're kind of all put inside of the same house, and um, that way you can have a solid like rented space that is split amongst a lot of people that all are probably going to align closer on some things and um, be able to also motivate each other in that business way. And I haven't had an experience in doing it myself, but I think that it definitely like these, these houses that are like content houses are kind of like content farms. I mean, because everybody in there is constantly motivating each other. You're seeing 24 seven, like the ups and downs of different people's actions, which not only allows you to get and make better content, but also allows you to learn from what not to do. And yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very fascinating, like that kind of world of the uh, content farms. I mean, the worst case scenario, I imagine there was this GIF I saw of this Chinese content farm where you just had these poor girls. It was just like a row of them. It was like a factory farm for chickens. You mm -hmm. know, this row of girls, they all had that round uh, light bulb that was next to oh, their the, face. The ring? Yeah. yeah, the ring, exactly. And it's like one after the other. They were just like stationed like in these cubicles and they were all just like doing the same influencer thing oh, one, yeah. one after the other. And so when I see that, I was like, holy shit, like they're just mm. mass marketing this That's very specific. Yeah, well, smart, but also <laughs> kind of dark. I don't know. It is uh, very dark. Yeah, like yes. that. that's why I think what's happening right now, let's say with yourself verse, you are in Texas mm -hmm. and you Texas, are, yeah. you are in Texas and there's a lot of people in Texas right now too. Like Justin Murphy, a lot of, yeah, yeah, Justin Mur a lot of the streamers and yeah, Brittany Vanty, a lot of people moved out here. The Botas sisters, you know, there's a lot of Twitch streamers these days. I run so, into people regularly. So in a way, I don't think that would replace having a family, but it does, I think, form a certain circle no, no, of no. people. <laughs> yeah, like I don't. I, although I try. Yeah, to all imagine... my friends now are from Twitter yeah. and from like making content now. So the yes, it does help in that, like, you know, everyone you're hanging out with is also thinking about similar things, right? <laughs> Make bangers, you know, uh, <laughs> write subsacks, whatever. Workshopping the bangers Work... in the group chat. Exactly. We got the we got the writing grease like the... threads. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, running po sock puppet accounts and just taking over the internet, right? So, mm. and you're very help. and you're very uh, much in favor of promotion. As am I. This was something that I think you were discussing in one of your uh, recent episodes of the Verse and wow. Lucas podcast. Everybody, be sure to check that out so on true. Apple, so on true. Spotify. <laughs> check and out my subtag too. And you were talking, I think you were talking about how, Lucas, that you are very relentless when it comes to online promotion, but that's not a bad thing. Like, people make out shilling to somehow be some kind of a crime, but I really think, like, I know Chill Fuel and Matt, if you guys would agree with me here, that right now it is very necessary, and I think people understand that mm -hmm. sometimes 
even if it may look a little bit too much, you really are trying as much as you can to do whatever it takes to get people to see something at the right time. And those who understand, understand, you know, you know, like this is really the only way to do it. Yeah, this is like a really big difference between uh, like STEM brained people and uh, the rest of the world, really, in that most of the STEM brained people seem to have a really low desire for any level of self promotion. And if you look at like the average resume of an engineer or something, it's going to be a way more honest rendition of what they've actually done in their life. than if you look at the uh, resume of obviously someone like a marketer, right? And yeah. part of this is just due to like what the job is, right? Like if you're marketing, you're, you're marketing yourself. An engineer is not really doing this, but uh, I don't know. There's a lot of this mentality on Twitter from people where, oh, it's just cringe if I put myself out there and I'm going to embarrass myself and I want to be, I want to be underserving myself if anything, but it just doesn't get you anywhere, right? Like people, uh, people, the most, the majority of people online who see anything are going to be pretty stupid and they take things at very face value levels. So if you say, I'm not that big of a deal, there's going to be maybe like one out of 20 people who's like, oh, like he's being uh, humble and sarcastic. He's actually like a really cool deal. And there's going to be like 19 people who are like, oh, he's like insignificant. I'm going to move on. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like we, I mean, Lucas and I have been doing, I mean, him predominantly, but I tried it again, even after everyone knew the bit and it still kind of worked, is that like he changed his profile picture to a girl, didn't change his name, was still Lucas. And just didn't change anything really. Entirely and... male account profile. Everything on my page was male. And I gained like 15,000 followers in two days, basically, just continuing <laughs> to tweet because yeah. everyone, like, it, it, it didn't matter, right? Like everyone saw the girl picture, they saw the numbers under the tweet, and they were like, follow. <laughs> follow. <laughs> and then yesterday, we were like, okay, so this bit, everyone knows I know Lucas, right? This bit shouldn't work. But then someone was like, Versus try a different girl's face. And I was like, all right, sure. And, <laughs> and I have a tweet going off right now. And it's like, and everyone's like, this isn't going to work. Everyone knows it's Lucas. And the second it left my like inner ring of Twitter, it, it, it didn't, it just didn't matter. All these people mm -hmm. replying to like a clearly totally male tweet saying like, oh my God, like, I can't believe you did this to your boyfriend. Like, it just doesn't matter. Honestly, you just, yeah, gotta... this, was, this was a really weird thing for me to realize that, uh, tweets kind of form their own ecosystems, right? Like I always assume that people before getting really invested in something and going and writing like five, uh, like a character limit replies, people are generally going to go look at the profile of the person they're replying to and see like, am I being taken for a ride here? Am I, do I really need to be investing this much effort? But they don't, they just dive straight into it. And then, uh, and then they, they like refuse to believe that the person could have been anything but is extremely earnest and sincere with them because they're already like tilted into that mindset. Matt, as an engineer, two questions. Number one, is it true what Lucas said about, uh, or was it Versa? Wait, which one no, did you say? The Lucas, resume the, stuff? Yeah, resume, yes. Is it true that uh, engineers on their resume would never over-market themselves. That's not, no, I, I said they would <laughs> less, <laughs> less so than in advertising or marketing, et cetera, major. Less so. Okay, that's fine. Less be, so. They less would so. be more accurate to the reality of what they've actually accomplished than yes. uh, these other groups. Yes. That's I, the... I I can't really talk about that because I'm in a position of like hiring people. So no. <laughs> oh, yeah, <that's> <laughs> <laughs> Don't incriminate yourself. That's right. <laughs> All right, and the uh, the second question is when it comes to this uh, turning into the girl. Now, hell, I'm 
there was that picture. Remember, verse that picture that I uh, created from that. Uh, what's that? The face app when you turn yourself mm-hmm. into a girl. Like, if I do that, I could probably just gain a ton of followers. I was gonna say there's there's yeah, very low bit. benefit to continuing I'm, to post I'm, with I liter- your profile picture when face app exists. <laughs> yeah. I, I literally, I literally have a tab open right now. I'm trying to figure out how to, how to like <laughs> attempt to do this without, <laughs> without it not, not being, you know, without <laughs> not being my face. Because I've been, I've been tweeting, uh, I've been tweeting kind of tongue in cheek about people like who've been getting plastic surgery a bunch lately, like, uh, 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 like entry. I'm calling it entry level transhumanism. Um, um, and uh, I'm thinking I might, I might just do a bit. Yeah. Here with this, I mean, especially just, if just the, uh, tweeted it. The you said, be a girl it. to get more likes, and you'll just get a bunch of female followers saying, "Oh, you can use my pictures." Yeah, that's actually what we just do. We just borrow our friends, and they're well, like, "Sure." I, I mean, I, 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 I'm probably. But it's more fun to feed it, my it, face it, into a. Well, I'm just gonna feed my face into a generative uh, one of these generative algorithms and do that. A friend of mine has access to the has access to the new one uh, that. Yeah, ne- never, never, never mind. All right, what? Yeah, watch my feed. Mm, the new one okay. might be. Watch might the feed. Be doing... We're big fans of the, 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 the generous algos. I mean, that's Lucas's picture right there. Is the, I was, uh, I was about to ask where that rabbit came from, and also where those beautiful uh, raccoons? Pic- raccoons. Yeah, yeah the raccoons. No, I when I got when I got accepted <laughs> to Dolly, I went on sort of a tirade, and uh, I just started typing in prompts as if I was like tweeting, and just kept gradually iterating, and I kept naturally going towards animals at laptops in the jungle i don't know i don't know why i really like that imagery like a metric fuck ton of animals in the jungle yeah like (laughs) i have like (laughs) five five hundred like uh like 40 megabyte png images of (laughs) this so that's gonna be my like splashes on youtube for basically forever I, I mean, it, it's solid though. Like, that's it, a it's a whole other like topic of like how how far is like this generative stuff gonna go? Where is it going to be? How like we consume content eventually? Like, it it's really interesting. You know, I like really the idea of uh, uh, yes. being able to yeah, take con- a concretely yeah. yes, take a full yeah. model of the thing out with you. Like, uh, you're you're totally offline and you're like writing an article or something, and like instead of searching for a stock image or something, you just yeah. plug it into your stable diffusion model and you get whatever you need then yeah because be at this point like that's accurate. already how i use it right like if i need to yeah. make a, a very specific meme instead of looking for like a, a weird picture of something that's like there's never going to be a stock image of like mm-hmm. a uh like an asian woman <laughs> lying dead on the pavement right like i can go and stable diffusion that <laughs> that really was a viral tweet of his for those yeah. stars, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Uh, but now somebody's going to be looking at that rabbit and they're going to think, you know what, what would that rabbit look like inflated? That's the other, oh, no. that's the that's the dark side of this whole AI art is that now people are just going to be able to create their own furry porn or whatever kind of porn when they want to. And then again, like... Hey, rule 34 is how you get famous. If someone's not making rule 34 of your likeness, then you're not really online. Quite honestly, somebody somebody attached my old avatar to uh, it was just like a little a little uh, like ten year old boy's head, cartoon head, and they attached it to this horribly like obese and unesthetic body, and it literally caused me like psychosexual trauma for like. Years. <laughs> did you guys did you guys see the fat verse that everyone keeps putting out? 
<laughs> the Fabverse beams are like they're really funny, but like that was giving me like a body dysmorphia. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's so really girls bad. girls have done this to themselves or to other girls for like the last decade, right? Where they'll take oh, a girl God. who they really dislike and they'll take a picture of her and they'll slightly edit it, right? Not like <laughs> enough to make it like horribly disfigured, but like they'll just put a slight fat filter on it or maybe they'll like make the eyes asymmetrical or something like that and then they'll repost it and be like look at this fucking busted bitch i hate this i hate this hoe one of my buddies like in a in a group chat just like just like a couple years ago it was just like with all of our close friends and and he he took like our profile pictures that we had and and like subtly tweaked them just by like lowering an eye like a very small amount and then resending it back in the group chat and being like hey like what's up with like you in this photo and then like completely making you like figure out is this actually what the photo is like wait i don't remember like this looking like this at all and then but everybody also reacting to that in real time and you're trying to like defend why your eye is three inches below where it should be did he ever fix it like uh, he takes he takes somebody who naturally has an eye that's like three millimeters uh, offset to the left no. and he corrects it. He's like, no, wow, of course you look not. Great no. here, bro. You look no, so you're just, great. Just, you're just making everybody look worse. It's oh never gosh. a nice side to now it. Now you now you brought back a Vietnam flashback when I went to Lee Strasberg. There was this girl and she had this really big nose and I thought like I wanted to do her a favor and like uh, I pr- I printed oh, out a picture of her and I photoshopped her nose to be smaller. <laughs> <laughs> that's, so that's so bad. That's so bad. Basically, just saying here's what here's what I would would change about you to someone right to their face. Oh, I just assumed that you wanted to look like this because it's better. <laughs> oh God. I should I should look her up. I want to see like what is she up to right now. Maybe I can bring her a nose up. Yeah, point. I got a nose job because she made herself <laughs> conscious. <laughs> Oh, I bet man. you could, dude. I bet you could actually, like, I I guarantee it now, actually. If somebody with a lot of followers found and, like, targeted, like, one specific 500-follower account and, like, uh, took, they, they said to all of their followers, like, I think this girl would look so much more beautiful if her eyes were two millimeters more uh, spaced apart. And then they just kept, they, they posted a picture of that and they had everybody, like, spam her replies with it. Like, there's probably, like, a 50% chance she would get plastic surgery to replicate what that picture looked the like. <laughs> For sure. Actually, honestly, that's probably. Yeah. Which also means that you could do this with bots, right? Like, you could, you could oh, yeah, that, that's have, a whole other part You could it. have, like, a, a Dolly bot army convince people to purchase specific plastic surgeries through inflicting massive insecurity. So, Lucas just created the, the memeplex now and the Grigor has just been manifested. So, thank you. Appreciate that. We're gonna get like annihilated by GPT three bots. Oh, do you think that's that? Do you think that's already been going on though with the whole make anime real type of thing, where a lot of the e girls they really try to adopt the anime aesthetic, and I don't know, it looks kind of weird. Like their noses are all kind of fucked up with the uh, whatever they put yeah, on the it. Weird and, rosy. You know, you know, very, very few, very few, very few people are doing this IRL. Like that, that is all. That is all face filters. Mm-hmm. Like. Mm-hmm. Oh. 100% face filters. Yeah. yeah, it's real mapping. I mean, there's some make yeah. it too, but yeah, they, they yeah. do their face mapping in life. I, th- I think the people who are the best at doing that, though, today, like, it would probably be the South Koreans. Like, the South Koreans, I think, do have a down to an art form as far as the level of their plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, is, it, is, it is genuinely impressive. Uh, like, you, you can get cyberpunk 
grade, you know, give me a new face. I need to disappear. Sort of surgery. <laughs> and like, you're really like good. Fifty different, different shady clinics in Seoul. Yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah. Plastic surgery has been wild. pretty sorted for a while though. Like the incel looks maxing forums basically figured out everything <laughs> of uh, like everything <laughs> to do with facial proportions. Heard that name probably like time. 2005 or something. And like they instantly, you can post a picture of your face and they'll say you need a Lafort too. You need to dye your eyebrows this color. You should be like trimming your beard at exactly this point. Like they will nail you down to like whatever your maximum aesthetic, uh, your aesthetic appeal can be. But uh, I mean, it's just an issue of do you want to pay the $30,000 to get the double jaw surgery to do it? <laughs> Say some people do. It helps There's a lot you. of people who do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. When it comes to the image of the Giga Chad, I mean, you know, much respect to the Giga Chad meme. I get it, but it's very tasteless to me. It's, you know, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm almost committing kind of like a crime by saying this because so many people love that meme. But just, the you know, the beard being so, you know, uh, so manicured. trimmed. Yeah, so manicured. And I don't know, just the whole thing. It's overly, it's overly dressed up to me as far as like that is the ideal man. I think that may be an ironic joke, though. Uh, yeah, it, it's definitely part of it. I mean, it's definitely like everything turned up to such a dial where like, yeah, you're not going to want to look like that. Exactly. I mean, that's not like it, it's just putting everything I mean, up for to, most to people. Ex- they would probably rather look like that than what they do. look yeah, like. Sure, but, yeah. sure. <laughs> but it's like it's like almost playing on like the fact of like this is the standard This is the best thing you could do. But it's like kind of a joke in and of itself. But. Oh, there was that story back to South Korea for a minute about uh, this couple where the husband found out through the wife giving birth to kids who were ugly as fuck. (laughs) That's fake. That's a fake story. That's fake? Oh, no. Oh, no. You ruined everything. Okay, that was was a story that was made by a plastic surgery company to promote their own plastic surgery because they were saying this is so good that this is is such a good version of plastic surgery that like her kids didn't look anything like her because her kids were so not attractive and she she looked amazing that like these are such ugly kids that they couldn't like possibly be hers but it's like no this was just made by yeah, it, it's, it's like I've thought it, all the time, though, about this inevitable possibility, though, where like some really uh, wealthy guy gets with like the most beautiful woman in the entire like, I don't know, like a 2000 mile radius of him and then gives birth to these just like busted gremlins. And he's sitting there wondering, like, how how is this possible? Like, and he looks at the wife and he's just like, you fucking lied to me. <laughs> how could you do this? <laughs> Okay. It's got to happen, right? Like, even if it's a made-up story, there's no way that you can have two or even, like, one uh, parent who's, like, hideous and plastic surgeries themselves to uh, perfection, and then their kids are just, like, normal-looking, right? So here's the yeah, ultimate question, then. Obvious. But here's the mm-hmm. ultimate question, then. So if health and beauty go together, which I don't know, I think they do, I'm not sure, because generally speaking, like when a person is, you know, well-proportioned, when they look healthy, that's generally a good sign, right? Like that's good genetics. I'm mm. not saying that they go together all the time, but you know, like when a person's- Form and all... function are pretty, it's like with all of these, uh, all, all like the in-cell face surgeries and stuff, they generally improve the function of stuff also. Like if you have a recessed maxilla or something, then like expanding it and bringing the jaw forward 
naturally would result in like your air air the air cavity in your nose being like bigger which results in like more nitrous oxide exchange something something like that like there's usually some level of health problems that goes away if you fix all well that's that's similar Mm -hmm. to let's say for example realigning the spine you know through certain exercises you know doing that kind of stuff to actually change Mm -hmm. your change your body but when we're talking about pillow yeah well that that, that's that's actually you no okay, what, what about the level of the mattress? Because some people say that extra you have to firm. sleep I only use extra, extra firm. firm. All mm-hmm. right, send me send me a good mattress. I want to I want to take a firm look. with a five inch. Uh, you want you want your head to be above your feet, or maybe <laughs> it's it... your feet to be above your head. One of your yeah. ends is supposed to be above the other. I forget. <laughs> just try try different combinations until you wake up feeling more or less refreshed. So what I'm yeah. getting what I'm getting to here though is that other than those things that you can change yourself uh, that would be passed down, the things that don't get passed down, like when, for example, you would as a woman artificially do something with your lips or you know put something inside you that makes you look slightly different. The concern here is that if enough men get fooled by that kind of disguise, are you necessarily going to be passing on the best? you know, uh, the best genes here, if you do have certain things that they may not know about that you end up fixing with plastic no, surgery. No, and this this actually comes back to one of like Ted Kaczynski's like uh, foundational arguments against technology, right? It's mm-hmm. against the, that of like medical technology where he said basically like our prescription of uh, what, insulin, our prescription of insulin to diabetics allows them to live, but it also means that we're necessarily going to be propagating diabetic genetics throughout the population. And that's fine to the extent that we have the ability to produce infinite insulin for everyone. But like, what if we can't? Or what if the system becomes unable to maintain that? Or, uh, you know, like, because at some point, things probably come to an end, right? Like there's going to be some population that goes from having the ability to produce unlimited insulin for their citizens, and then it has some sort of a political meltdown or things just get to a shitty condition where they can't afford that. And uh, what, what do you do then? Does everyone just die? And that's. Hmm. Well, hmm. I know Matt being the engineer here, uh, what would you say could be done about this particular situation? Is this as dire of a situation as we're making it out to be? Matt, are you there? Maybe he's gone. Maybe he'll be back. Away. All right. Oh, there Sorry, we are. I was on. I was on. I was on mute. Could you repeat the question? Sure. Uh, well, let's see. I mean, where do we? How much have you listened to? <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. Verse, go on. I think. I mean, I think to some degree, yes, it's going to be. I mean, at the, I don't know. First, for a lot of well, things. No, well, no, just the question. Just to frame the question specifically. Let's say let's talk yeah, about insulin, sure, right? Sure. Maybe we get to the point where like we remove the problem entirely, right? So it's like to play devil's advocate for Lucas is like, uh, you know, we'd have to produce insulin for now, but maybe at the in like a in like a couple decades, we can just like replace your pancreas or whatever with cell by cell with nanobots or whatever, and then you have an infinitely for you know a, a functional pancreas that just works forever is that pancreas has insulin right just that just works <laughs> forever right and you don't need to like worry about it anymore right so just like we, we shouldn't that have problem. chosen diabetes because none of us yeah. have any sort of specific knowledge about diabetes <laughs> I don't know, realistically i, don't know I mean this can it. apply to every medical problem right like every single problem that we can treat with modern medicine uh to a to a degree that is allowing people to live when they wouldn't otherwise being able to be able to live is going to be propagated throughout society when people 
are saved by this and then they're going to reproduce spread those genes and then there's a possibility that in the future we may not be able to treat some of these and there's going to be large swaths of the population that get wiped essentially yeah i think i think that it's uh, fairly unlikely that we won't yeah, be able to treat I, something in the future that we can treat now right i agree. Well, i i, I think right. that uh i think that the the you can treat the vast majority of these conditions with technology from like 20 years ago and technology from 20 years ago uh is producible uh much more widely than uh you know than than it was 20 years ago because we have just you know taken a lot of these systems and uh optimized them for you know distributed deployment or what have you and that that's a that is that hasn't even been like an economic that, that hasn't really been driven by the economics of this sort of stuff it's been driven by just improvements in the basic way we do stuff we're, we're gonna have bacterial uh, uh bacterial uh uh basically like um uh medical chemical reactors uh uh in well <laughs> i i don't want to make forward-looking statements about you know the nature of of you know like where pop side mag telling us everything's here in five years no, 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 no. So the that is definitely like that. That capability could be deployed like in the next year if if people actually took it seriously. But it's going to take like you know trade getting shut off with say a major country that makes a bunch mm -hmm. of drug precursors uh, for that to be for that to really be um, you know for the for the motivations to kick in around mm -hmm. that. But. Um, yeah, I mean, in, ter in terms of the actual like specific, uh, is is the larger thing we're getting at here basically like, all right, what what if we just get rugged and technology? No, I I was you know, basically like, just a lot of technological systems become inaccessible. Is that no? I was just no. tying this back to the like Ted Kaczynski had a core <clears throat> argument against technology, which was basically yeah. that over reliance on medical technology leads to. Uh, oh yeah, severe disaster results. in the yeah, case I of it going gonna... away, and I don't necessarily have yeah. a. Uh, strong feeling about it going away or i think i think that there's likely to be some sort yeah. of like a weird profit incentive thing where we yeah, get i think we that's get tricked down the wrong path right like as a like dentistry is a great example right like <laughs> as opposed to regrowing teeth which is uh i think probably not going to happen for quite a while we're going to get continually more expensive implants or things like that but i don't mm. you know i don't think it's going to like stop or we're going to lose the technology to fix the problem we'll just go for the expensive one that doesn't necessarily fix it long term as opposed to the permanent solution yeah i think that like the question i kind of like uh, that i kind of think of and taking a look at, at the, the live chat a little bit here too is just that oh if <laughs> it's just that like as we as we kind of um if we keep down like the, the path of um progressively making it so that people who have some sort of issue can be solved by um some medical medical research that didn't exist um, at a certain time and we keep doing that continually um will it be more incentivized by the people who are creating these solutions to uh keep making these solutions to the problem rather than fixing the problem itself right like by making an artificial organ or sort um like as the population kind of becomes more and more reliant on medical things will the price of those things be a factor that plays into it i don't think so i don't think so 
No, I, I think I think with medical technology in particular, we're we're heading very rapidly in the direction of being able to manage um, manage the human body uh, to a level of uh, precision and at a uh, level of cost that's uh, totally totally unprecedented. Yeah, I know, um, and I don't disagree so, with that. But the, the how yeah. medical stuff is treated currently is that it is more treated than prevented. I mean, that's just how. That, that, yeah, well, that's that's a that's a purely a function of the of the the um, of the, the shitty guilds that control it right now, and that yeah, is yeah. just a breaking those down is just a matter of you know someone deciding to be the first mover. Like there will mm -hmm. be a developed country that will say at some point fuck the fda we're charting our own course i ex actually expect it to be korea and they're going to churn which, out, which korea um, worst korea or best korea uh both because they're gonna reunify like they did in steel rain which was awesome movie uh <laughs> the uh uh yes south south korea reunifies with north korea and gets north korea's nuclear weapons and becomes a superpower it's like ooh, i like that big, yo me. it's all it's a great fucking movie <laughs> fantastic <laughs> mm -hmm. fantastic movie uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think the Koreans are going to uh, are going to um, you know ba basically break free from the uh, from the the FDA medical technology hegemony pretty soon, uh, and then we're going to see the uh, the rapid uh, commercialization and then global mm -hmm. deployment of everything that they come up with because then you know India will follow them uh, pretty quickly mm -hmm. thereafter. And my hope is just that uh, you're in the you know, in the U.S. and and the rest of the you know global anglophone polity, that we get access to this stuff uh, relatively expeditiously, and I think that you know, I think that that's actually where the you know, it, it's not uh, the absolute cost of the stuff; it'll be the cost of the stuff in countries with crappy regulations. Uh, yeah. That kind of like know, that, that drives a lot of the yes. You can just buy it. You just get it. Just get it mailed to you. It's fine. <laughs> Daphnil is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I said earlier, I'm a better living through chemistry guy. Big fan of that stuff. Yeah, you know, it's uh, everyone should look into it. You don't have the productivity <laughs> deficiency. You have. I would, I would have to agree. <laughs> Wait, yeah, is I mean, I wrote this is a Substack article. I wrote. <laughs> I mean, hold, hold, hold on, hold on, hold oh, on. Yeah. Is everyone here on Daphnil? I'm um, on it right now, actually, literally. But... I, yeah, no. not 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 currently, <laughs> but but I have I have used it in the past. Amazing. That's yeah, awesome. it's just it's just easier. You don't need to be on Adderall when it's just easier. I think it's definitely yeah. it's it's a much better alternative to Adderall in so many ways. Yeah, yeah, it really, really is. It really is. I, have you I, got I, into the I'm, Russian stuff like C mix and Atomex and stuff like that? No, no, I haven't. Everyone that those are better, but I kind of uh, I'm kind of done with. Like I had my drug phase in college, and I've I my my takeaway from it was like. They were all fun for uh, teaching me that my brain can do this weird thing that I didn't know it could do before. But then, like right. after the fact, I'm not super uh, intrigued by it. But uh, I have a bunch of friends who are big proponents of the weird Russian stuff and say that it's better than Moda. Hmm. Can you link me some of this? <laughs> this is an area. This is, an area, an area that I, that I, this, is uh, this is what Break the Rules does. It brings people together so they can have. <laughs> To buy drugs, it is. There's no, there's no podcast combination of men you can do with agents from you know Bangladesh. Well, I've heard that Atomex is like the best. The best hands down. Everyone loves it, but it's just like impossible to find and source anymore. 
Interesting. Interesting indeed. No, the thing the thing that this all started from was the question of whether plastic surgery would get, <laughs> would get would get men to be tricked by women who don't look like they think they look you know like on the inside and whether that would like create problems down the road with like uh, you know babies being born who don't look like the mom and have certain health problems that the man was not aware of when he first married her so i don't know i mean that's like a whole other thing that we may be seeing with uh, worst korea i don't know but with Worst Korea, that's more of an example of a place that's been heavily roboticized. From what I understand, they have more robots right. working there than any other country in the world. <coughs> and as the canary in the coal mine, what do we notice with uh, Worst Korea? Like the way that people live there, what they're living for. Like, are there more instances of people taking, you know, buying buying the farm, so to speak? Uh, you know, I don't want to say on YouTube, but, you know, like, mm -hmm. are there yeah, instances yeah, yeah. of people who find that there's no reason to go on at, you well, know, at well, least that's what yeah, i hear because they're because they're because their country is is a modern advanced society run by like six business houses and you know and and living in a constant state of you know like maybe a war might kick off because they've got a shitty northern neighbor and i i really think that uh they're like Korea and Japan both, I think, mm. are on the uh, in the it, it basically since like 2014, 2015, in the initial stages of a very profound cultural renaissance that will uh, that that will catapult those nations to uh, a level of prosperity that I think we're going to look at in, you know, in the West, in a, you know, in a lot of very easily envisioned uh potential timelines and be very jealous of and want mm. to go you know imitate there there they just have um you know there's there's a uh uh like that tiny injection of anglo world rebelliousness plus the the uh high uh you know, plus the high, the underlying high trust culture and the the continuity of institutions for yeah, in both cases, like you know, many hundreds of years. Uh, I think that that's a really, really powerful combination. Uh, but you know, it's going to require both of them. You know, kind of opening to the world. I I I think that uh, I I think Korea's ahead on that front, and I think the Japanese are going to. Uh, you know, look at that and are looking at that and are going to are going to adjust their sort of national policy towards, uh, you know, towards a, something that's going to make the, those two places potentially some of the best places in the world to live and be from. Um, I'm not at all a Korea boo or a weeaboo uh, in any way. Um, uh, versus, right? I'm, like, I'm bullish. I'm, I'm bullish. I'm more of a, <laughs> if anything, more of a weeaboo, but yeah. Well, you're you're a big fan of uh, Naruto and uh, okay. One I Piece. I'm <laughs> going straight to Naruto. I'm a big fan. I'm a One Piece fan. Just watched sure, season but... 57 of Boruto yesterday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I definitely am a One Piece fan. Actually, One Piece is coming out in an hour, so I'm vibe. Oh the, shit! The, the, yeah, no, manga, like the it's still going, one, bro. It, yeah. It's gonna finish in like three years. How many? What episode? <laughs> <are you? laughs> it's uh, a chapter like one 
1060. Yeah, it's on. A, it's actually the final arc. So like, it's very oh, yeah. real this time. You tell, yeah, you can tell I, if the, like the end is coming. I hope Luffy. I hope Luffy fights his father. There's no reason for him to fight his father. I don't know. I, I like to imagine his father's like the secret boss at the end of what you think is like the boss. Like the boss was probably going to be Blackbeard, but then after Blackbeard, mm. or there's that there's another, guy. There's another spoiler. That king with the. Yeah yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. But I don't know. I just. So I you're like probably, the, you're, you're you're at least episode like seven hundred eight hundred. Yeah, the the throne thing. Okay, here's the thing. Okay. Uh, the uh, okay <laughs> the manga far. the manga reader that I was looking at. Unfortunately, I ended up seeing like the spoilers for the end of the uh, you know fighting with the dragon dude. You uh-huh. know the Wano arc. And yeah. right afterwards, I got to the pages of oh now the arc is over and you know the celebrations going mm-hmm. on like usual. And I was like fuck, I didn't see the finale. So now I have to go back yeah, and actually, yeah, yeah read like that well, epic they're final animating. battle. They're almost they're the the final. They're really far into the arc now, animating. The animation quality is really high, so you can actually just watch it. I would normally never say that, but for this part of it, yeah, I I can actually vouch for the animation quality these days. I, just I get one of my group chats say that they mm-hmm. joined uh, they joined the stream and they started watching. <laughs> and as soon as they did, we started talking about fucking one piece <laughs> <laughs> you know it's been really good left. about not talking about it <laughs> we're staying on topic for real we actually were behaving yeah, ourselves for we one. tell everyone we're going to talk about like ted kaczynski and <laughs> what do you think is that because what's the most recent one piece episode you guys <laughs> <laughs> Well, what would Tess Kaczynski's favorite anime be? Like, if he had to pick an anime... Oh, actually, wait, I could probably do this. Yeah, I'm thinking about it now. Um, either it would be... I would say it's going to be something like Akira or something like that, where it's mm. like uh, like accelerationism kind of like backfires and there's like a human mm. element, maybe, or something yeah. like that. Or like a Miyazaki, I imagine. Like, he'd be into Miyazaki. Yeah. Miyazaki like, always advocated for like... Yeah, because Miyazaki always advocated for, like, destroying New York City. Like, he would mm-hmm. love to, like, see New York City, you know, just, like, in flames oh, and Mononoke. ruins. Mononoke. And... He'd probably love Mononoke. Oh, Mononoke. definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. that's... I mean, that's yeah, if we're going that route, probably even Death Note, he'd probably love to have one himself. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, true, right? <laughs> A lot easier. <laughs> Especially given his weird yeah. thing for handwriting, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, Death Note might be... Might, is a good... He would, he would like bombs, Death, Death can, Note specifically because it required them to handwrite everything, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the chat, point. by the way, it says Wolf's Reign would be Ted K's favorite anime. Hmm, I haven't I, seen I've Wolf's seen, I haven't seen that in like literally 15 years. That's the one where like uh, there's like a detective agency or whatever, and they have like werewolves. I saw that on Adult Swim, I feel like. Yeah. What a weird yeah. comment from Dio Seru, just like random. He says, actually, I'm an Uncle Tom Chris Chan. I don't <laughs> no, I get that. That makes a uh, lot sense. Oh, God bless you, DS here. Listen, all the new people who are here, either from Chill Fuel or from the uh, group chat, whatever you were posting there, uh, smash that subscribe button, smash that like button, watch the stream from the very beginning. We go yeah. into some pretty deep waters here, <laughs> but we end up coming back and actually talking about the fucking subject, okay? Believe in us, believe that we do come believe back to us. talking about Ted Kaczynski. Elon Musk. I mean, Elon <laughs> Musk's favorite anime. Like he like had anime avatars, right? He's, right. Like he's definitely into anime. He yeah. likes we, we, didn't, we didn't go quite into the deep dive on Elon that the timeline has over the last two days. 
Yeah, mm. we talked about Twitter for a second, but I, I don't know. I think everyone's giving him a hard time for no reason. This is the best thing that's happened to Twitter in like literally five years. I the uh, only yeah, thing strong that agree. I care strong about agree. is whether or not he will uh, remove my shadow ban when I make fun of specific <laughs> groups of people. Right? I can make jokes about most groups, but if you uh, say things that get too many women mad, they report you, and then your posts get one sure. third as many likes for the next week, and it sucks. And I want him to make it go away. You have been shadow. He's been shadow banned. It's been it's been bad. I think we can get Elon to mm. to listen. We got Grimes' ear. It's really hard, though, because, like, <laughs> if I had a platform and uh, my platform was based on generating ad revenue and then there was some guy who came and he he was like, oh, yeah, he's getting me a bunch of engagement. This is great for the platform. And then suddenly he starts pissing everyone off and they leave. Then I, I would have to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that. Yeah. That kind of makes it more difficult. To... Well, what do you think with that recent tweet, the one that he uh, ended up deleting about the conspiracy revolving, uh, I don't even know if on YouTube what they'll allow me to say, but, you know, with that recent Pelosi incident that happened there. So, no, that's a farce. Reg- okay, but here's the thing. Just, uh-huh. just, just so I put on my Mr. Boring tie for a second okay, over here. Enough. Okay, now he is in a position of being a leader in this company and he has to have a certain you know tone that will it would inform like how other people act like there's a certain amount of responsibility you have do you think that at a certain point when it comes to various conspiracies regardless of whether they're true or not if something is still unsubstantiated and you put it out there in the tone of oh i'm just asking questions as the mm-hmm. leader is that a responsible thing to do yes it is it's just fine because that's a, I mean that's what what is the alternative? The alternative is I dictate to you what is truth or what's not truth, which is the same thing. Well, no, the alternative is saying that we all know this this is. is an this is an ongoing investigation. I'm not going to say this. And I'm not going to say that. Let's wait until we get more information. I know that's mm. boring as shit, but I'm just but saying that that would so be that would be like true neutral. Twitter's, if he's tweeting from the Twitter account, then sure. But if he's tweeting from his personal account, it's like, no, say your opinion. In fact, we need more people to say their opinion. Most Everyone's shying away from their opinion, and now everything sucks. Say your opinion, then we can, like, hash it out, blah, blah, blah. You don't have to agree. I don't really care. It's just that if I could opt in to some sort of banner under yeah, every tweet that I have that says, like, this tweet may contain unsubstantiated nonsense, <laughs> and, and the consequence of that is that I couldn't get banned for spreading misinformation. Oh, that would be so dope. I, I would 100% do that, bro. I would I put misinformation tag on every single tweet. That. Just let me say anything, though. Yeah. Amazing. Well, like, well, I don't that's Because, I mean, I've had tweets. I mean, mm-hmm. this hasn't happened uh, to me, actually, on on my account i had i had like one thing like two years ago uh but it happens to my friends all the time where they'll make some like super obvious joke about like uh like some some political event will be happening and they'll like create like a funny situation that could have happened instead and say oh this happened i can't believe it this is so crazy and they'll get banned and the reasoning will be uh platform manipulation and it's for some like 50 like obvious joke of a tweet and like mm-hmm. what what <laughs> what what do you do to get rid of that right yeah it's 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 not understanding what the platform is and and ultimately it's just they old guard the legacy media etc legacy institutions want to make sure that they're that they have the the final say but fundamentally no one cares and everyone just ignoring them and consequently misinformation will always wins they gets more attention because 
we've kind of, I mean, Bard is on your guest is on your podcast all the time. You've kind of cut the the information flow from like top down to, you know, to a horizontal like rhizome if you want to be you know cringe online. Um, we made like a rhizomatic type of thing, so it's like we don't care. We're gonna come up with our own uh, conclusion, and that's how the internet works. And which is good that Elon again, like Jack understood this. this is why Jack is like the, one of the better billionaires, but. Elon is one of the only other public billionaire tech figures that uh, fundamentally kind of understands that, which is what made him a good person to purchase. I will say he's still kind of he has some cringe ideas, but like when he starts I, if, floating the idea of a separate uh, KYC and Anon Twitter, that's yes. like the most horrifying thing that's I've ever horrible. heard in my entire life. Wait, what is KYC and Anon Twitter? Know your customer. Uh, yeah, basically like. You, you would have to like ID verify like you're, you're fully, uh, well, th- well, that's not. why, well, that's why I was originally not that in favor of the $8 verification thing, because does not, does that not imply there being yeah. this? Okay. Yeah, so I mean, then it's, we're running well, oh, into so a problem. That, that one's a little, that one's a little weird because like Twitter would know, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone else would know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you might say like, okay, well, but that's still Twitter. But like, Twitter already knows, right? Like I got a police visit the other day because people in the comments of one of my tweets were making jokes about school shootings and they found me in like two hours and they knew where I worked. They knew where I lived. They knew when I'd be back. They knew what my accounts were. They knew like fucking everything. Right. So it's already too late. Right. Like Like, in, in some capacity, I don't know. Like I, I don't want to make it like easier for them to get everything, but like, as far as I'm concerned, they already have all my shit. So I, I don't care that much. <laughs> like, yeah, not my problem. Uh, yeah, if I mean, like they, I, I don't think that a the Facebookification of everything was a good was a good direction for the internet. That actually ruined a lot of things. Um, no, it, I, it, it like gave everyone brain damage too. Because when you're mm-hmm. posting attached to your like real name and face, you you're no longer like a uh, like that the online avatar you you lose like the sense of play and like the the weird like online aspect of spirituality totally goes out the door mm. you're not and putting you... on the shamanic mask as it were yeah mm. no yeah, you're not exactly. uh, now you have to be like you and your representation of you and uh you can't necessarily like you know like the difference between face stocks versus anons in terms of who's going to be more truthful with you about like a personal question right like there's some guys who have no problem going out and saying whatever attached to their face, but not most of them, right? Like if your girlfriend asks you, "Do these pants make me look fat?" and you have the ability to respond as yourself or as an anonymous poster, like which one are you going to answer more honestly as? Yeah, you're not going to be able to have the zero HPs commenting on women who absolutely are absolutely okay, but saying that they have to lose weight. Like you're not going to be yeah. able to have that anymore in this brave new world of the internet. But what about like back when we had the news groups? Was that anonymous, or was that just like anonymous by you know not really giving that much of a shit just because there weren't that many people that were on the internet the at the news time? News groups? You mean my news groups? Like I mean, like you know, like the. Uh, old news groups how, how do i call them like, properly 
like private like, like the private like um news organizations like and there would like be like a dozen like uh different sources of information competing no 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 no, no not that in fact uh i want to make an announcement because the person who reminded me of these news groups existing he is going to be on Break the Rules this coming Tuesday, and it is none other than Curtis Yarvin, Mencius nice. Moldbug, coming on Break the Rules. Thank you. This Tuesday, it's going to be a lot of fun. He's going to be talking with Angel Eduardo, who is the advisor affair of the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism. We're going to be talking about liberalism. We're going to be talking about all kinds of cool stuff. But anyway, mm. he was the guy who was mentioning how in the good old days of the internet, before all the normies started to appear after AOL, how there was this proliferation of a lot of very interesting uh, conversations. Oh, bulletin group, like the bulletin yeah, uh, boards yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah yeah, 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 exactly. And how the people who were there at the time, I don't think they were called bulletin boards. I think bulletin boards came later. I really do think that they were called news groups, like all binaries, like news groups. Do you know oh, what I mean? You, no, maybe. I, Usenet? I Usenet, that's yeah, it, yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So the point here is that these were groups of people who were, you know, very professional, but also felt like they had a decent amount of anonymity to be able to speak mm -hmm. about subjects without having, like, every Tom, Dick, and Harry around them, you know, being able to crucify them for saying the wrong thing. And that was, like, a very, at least according to Curtis, that kind of community facilitated a lot of creativity and free thinking mm -hmm. because you didn't have the rabble. Like, you had people who were smart enough to get there in the first place. They were the ones who were participating. And as soon as the floodgates opened up, I think they even have a term for it. Like, like Eternal Black September. Friday. Eternal yeah, September. that's it. Uh, this yeah. Is, uh, yeah. You guys should check out verse.substack.com where I wrote Eternal September. Uh, oh, hell yeah. About this exact video. I know the video you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, Matt, were you a part of that scene, the one that I'm talking about right now? I, I'm I'm 31, so oh, I was okay. I was not. Yeah. See, I, I, I always think you're I, I always the, think you're older just because era. you're doing such amazing things like with the technology. I would imagine, like you know, you are way too young to be creating machines that create machines. But that's just because I imagine <laughs> well, engineers. Yeah, but yeah, the the uh, I, I I was I, I hopped on the internet very very early, like like when I was a single digit years old child. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, saw a lot of that stuff on there. I, I, I logged into stuff like Usenet. I, you know, was on other stuff like that. I, I was very lucky to be on a, uh, un, on a, on a university, uh, uh, internet, uh, oh, nice. you know, spike basically just cause when my dad was in med school. So uh, I was very, yeah, very, very lucky to have very early exposure, uh, to, to the, to the internet. Um, but uh no i'm I'm not i'm not like an old red beard uh i i wasn't you know i wasn't there for i wasn't there for uh that sort of stuff in the same way that uh all these you know the the, the gen xers were but the vibe that i get at least from them is that it was a better time i don't know yeah. that's you need to be able it was to... it wasn't it wasn't it was a better time for them for them yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> you need to be able to iterate and you can't iterate if you're like people are splitting hairs which is like half the reason why like i'm very much a uh adamant about pedants and why i leave like i'll leave um like uh spelling errors and all my tweets i don't really care and like in, I, i'm just very big like you, if you're nitpicking you can't like play and 
You don't spend time when you're learning the, the action. Oh, let me just shilling my own subject again. Look at me. Um, <laughs> when you're learning a song, right? You don't sit there and learn the words to a, a song on the radio. You sing gibberish half the time, right? You like sing whatever words are kind of coming to your head and you're wrong. And then you're wrong and wrong and wrong until you know all the words, right? That's how you should learn basically everything, right? And so you can't iterate with other people and learn and like progress if you're nitpicking every step, which is what you have to do in a public setting. You can't say anything wrong, right? When you can do it anonymously, you can say whatever, you can throw ideas out. You can say things that are, you know are wrong, but because you know it's wrong, you know what you, what you aren't supposed to hit. It's like when you're picking, uh, we're playing Minesweeper. You can hit a, a part of Minesweeper and you're like, this is not gonna hit anything, but that's good because now you've you know carved out like the truth better. Right. Like you can't do that in a public setting. People want to like, you know, every community goes through the phase, right? They start off with the, uh, the core dedicated autists who all very smart, all very dedicated to the craft. Then in come the guys who are autistic enough to understand that there's something here, but also people oriented enough to say, we, there's, there's profit here. We got to bring some people in. Then they, uh, they shoo everyone else in the door and then they, uh, sort of disrupt the autists who grow to hate their own community as more and more people come in and dilute it down and <laughs> IQ lowers and lowers. And then they say, we've been rugged. And then they, they either go and form a new community or they complain for the rest of their lives about how their thing has been taken from them. And the internet will never be as great as it was in 1988 and it's fucking over. <laughs> and then they, and then they go, and then they go, uh, then they go, they go, go lock themselves into a beach house for like three years and write her bit. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great intro so, for the, a Tuesday stream, the, definitely. Right, right, right. That's well, uh, yeah. I, I might actually, uh, uh, Lev, I might actually send you a couple questions. Uh, oh, please do on on that because I, uh, uh, I I actually want to tape a. I, I occasionally record uh, like audio conversation. It's not a podcast because there's no regularity to it at all, and I expect zero people to listen to it. Uh, but. Uh, I, I've wanted to for some time uh, get Curtis talking for like four to five hours about the Tudor period uh, and the birth of the and the birth of the uh, English state because something tells me a lot of uh, a lot of his a lot of his politics are going to fall out of conclusions made his, on, on that. I like period. when he talks about history. Mm-hmm. He yeah. recommends a lot of good books, too. Like, he recommended uh, G- Eugene Lyons, The Red Decade, talking about how, and I had no idea about this, like how the intelligentsia in mm-hmm. the 1930s in the, the United States were, like, all Stalinists. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. how they, Big time. And how they considered to be, and, like, my parents knew about this, and I had no idea, like, back when I uh, found that out. And uh, I don't know, it's something that... I think is going on right now too, even though they're not Stalinist, but everybody has been incredibly tribal to the extent that in certain circles, if I were to bring up somebody like a uh, Barry Weiss, for example, that would be considered, Oh my God, you know, that would be too much already, you know, let alone somebody like, you know, Alexander Bard or, you know, if they, not that they know who he was, but you know, like having a personality of that level is already too much for most people because most people are scared. They're scared to step out of the reservation that they happen to be in where they don't want to be criticized for their opinion by the people around them. I mean, it's very understandable. It's just like the hellscape that Lucas was just talking about. When people force you and verse, like you said in the beginning of the show, you find yourself slipping a little bit further out from the more extreme side of the internet 
and you'd say it's partly that kind of influence um or no i don't know if it's that it's just that my public persona is a little more clean cut now not that it's clean cut i'm still you know <laughs> saying well, insane stuff but yeah. it's just a little different you know uh i've always i'm like into for example i'm into metal right that's like one of my favorite genres of music Mm -hmm. metal every single metal band has this like arc that you have to go through where they were like really really cool and they're from this like small like scene and they had to get bigger and like some bands are able to get bigger while not neglecting their core audience and some bands aren't and i've always found that really fascinating um and so the idea is to grow and progress like there's a difference between a mastodon who has been cool my entire life they were cool when i was in middle school and they're cool now like and i've never heard anyone give any and talk any shit about Mastodon. Whereas there's bands that go in and out of fashion. There's bands that like are like very uncool now. Like Metallica is not mm. cool, even though Metallica was really really cool. Oh, that was also because the whole copyright thing. I think that yeah, may was, have played it. It was that, but then they yeah they did a lot of things that were kind of annoying. But yeah, so like there's a question of like, but also their music. If you just ignore all that, like there's a lot of phases of their career that people are just like this sucks. So it's like how does one grow while also still being liked by your core audience and so that's what Verz and lucas are doing these days how do we get bigger accounts without alienating oh dude our... there's there's <laughs> such a fine line too right because you can uh and it, it's there's almost an uh an iq curve to everything and this is dumb because i hate uh overusing the iq bell curve meme thing but uh it's not even the bell curve really it's just if you snip the thing right down the middle i know some friends who were in crypto that were saying the same thing basically that uh it starts off really cool. You get a bunch of really smart founders working on building something, but then they eventually realize that in order to get any substantial level of uh, cash flow through investment, you need idiots and you have to herd idiots. And they're just like herding idiots is just not fun, right? Like you can herd idiots uh, in like we've all perfected the art of herding them and making them do what you need and doing the oh it's gonna go up like the market's up just buy now like this type of stuff <laughs> but it's just not fun and it makes everybody gradually hate themselves when they do it so uh but you need they, a way of right so well, what, what the founders do is they build the system get it to the point where it can roughly sustain itself and then once enough idiots come in that they feel themselves uh becoming suicidal on a daily basis they say okay i'm gonna go build something new it, it, take it and really? i'm fucking off Mm, interesting so you got a lily pad yeah well chill fuel what is your experience building your brand right now when it comes to where you are going to find yourself with uh, your content like do you find that there are people who you're uh like pe people in your audience that are pushing you to make certain content right now and what is going to keep you let's say jumping from the lily pad so to speak so that you would be able yeah. to provide mass appeal while at the same time still being able to pursue your like your dream project yeah i think that there's definitely i mean just even diving into creating content in any way you're going to end up um having something that kind of resonates more with people and your audience is going to be made up of um especially at the start i mean when you, when you have something that gained a lot of popularity originally you people are going to want to see more of that sort of content and um as you grow and as you like make more videos it might not even be something that you're super interested in um which can be an issue i've i've remained in my same niche for quite a while and i i'm thankful that it's like uh it's a very it's something that i can keep exploring more of there's always something else to look into with it i mean that's kind of how um technology and internet 
is with, with it. And so I'm, I'm lucky about that. But I mean, you see some creators get into holes where like they dig themselves into making a certain type of content, whether it's regarding around a certain game or something they end up just despising at a certain point because it's all they are able to do and they have no interest in it, but it's what they lock themselves into because it's how they make um, their viewers come back. And uh, I haven't had too much of an issue with it, but yeah. Well, you're surfing the algorithm as well. Like you have content that appeals to people who are after the mysteries, the unknown, the icebergs, Mm -hmm. all that good stuff. But uh, as far as how much can be built up there, do you think that at a certain point you would start to look back at some of the older content you did and kind of recycle it or like put a new spin on it? Or do you think there is enough material to dig into as far as like yeah. various conspiracies? I, I think that there's, there's always something else to um, look into, but that it's going to get wider and wider off of like the, what the core audience is interested in. I mean, when I started off doing purely internet mysteries that was what i found the most most interesting and it was what i covered but there's only a certain amount of internet mysteries that are out there i mean it's it's not something that can keep going on forever and it's it's something that you have to start diverging into other groups with but i think that you can diverge enough into different things that there will always be something to make content on um it, it gets tricky whether it's going to be what your audience wants to see and I, I remember having a huge issue at a certain point where I was like, I don't have any other mystery that I'm super interested in that I can look into and go down this rabbit hole um, where I'm exploring it and actually like caring about it. And that was kind of freaky. And so I started looking into different things like more general mysteries and true crime stuff and other things that I found interesting enough to cover that I could do. Going over old stuff is always really interesting, though, because you can like if you look at something you did like a year ago mm-hmm. and say how would I redo this better knowing what I know now? Like the, the meta process of it all also gets really interesting, but then you have uh, like, there's a really big disparity between like content that can get you watchers or viewers or engagement and content that makes people like love you. And it's Mm -hmm. relatively Mm -hmm. easy to produce content that gets engagement, but it's harder to like the Twitter equivalent of this is posting stuff that gets a ton of likes, but you get no follower conversion mm-hmm. from it versus mm-hmm. posting something that gets likes and followers, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, that's, and- uh, th- there's people I've seen, like a lot of YouTubers fall into this thing where they make their thing like doing doing some sort of game content, but they don't really sell themselves to you, right? Like you never yeah. like them as a person. You come to them because they get autistically good at this one thing, <laughs> but you you actually hate their personality and wish wish that their talent were attached to nearly anything else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's I, like, yeah, I also think that it's about priming too. If you so, this is part of again what I've learned with like you know you know the bands and stuff, right? It's yeah. like if you prime people early in your original stuff about like that you're going to experiment right then you can kind of push the boundaries a little bit more than you would otherwise be allowed to like if you're like my channel is about making uh tutorials for i don't know for a game right and it's like i want to explore tutorials about every facet of this game if you all of a sudden start making you know how to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches everyone's gonna be mad at you 
Yeah. But uh, from the get from the get go, you had an abstract kind of idea, and you just like threw random stuff in there anyway. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the it's like an emergent theme of your content, and you can do whatever you want. At that yeah, point. and the freaky part about it is that it could at a certain point be like a like a double edged sword in the way that even if you were to make some other type of content that's not what your core audience would resonate with, like even if that other content is insanely high quality stuff regardless of that fact it's still going to be recommended to the people that liked your content originally and it's probably something that they're not going to be interested in Mm. and so you'll get the metrics and whatever thing you're posting it to will see those original metrics and say hey this is not a great video of this person even if it is something that's super high quality um that's kind of freaky to to think about that it's a whole other i've been wondering about how every other social media's uh their algorithms seem to be like so much worse than tiktok in terms of uh like tiktok seems to be able to tell when somebody's doing something outside of their niche and really quickly recommend it to people who would like that instead of the the people who like their niche Mm -hmm. and youtube doesn't get it at all like if you Uh, exclusively make halo one speed running videos and then you make (laughs) like the most high quality video about like how to breed cats to jump as high (laughs) as possible is that what you're doing in the background with the cats yeah secret special guests of our podcast they're, they're kind of in heat after uh, <laughs> it's breeding season <laughs> and uh so you, you do this and you have this great cat breeding video but the world will just never see it because mm-hmm. it was recommended exclusively to yeah. three million halo one speedrunners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. part of that is just because like tiktok has this mass amount of like um data they can go off of because you're seeing so many more videos and so they, they get to, I think that's like at least part of it mm. is that in the time you're watching one YouTube video and YouTube's getting one data point you're scrolling through 50 TikToks and they can get information off of all of the ones that you just saw True. so the uh, the meta game then for YouTube shorts is going to be I think we discussed this before to put out as much shorts as you can and to take a short down if it's not doing well to re-upload it again nobody cares nobody gives a shit and you can do that on your main channel it's not going to be an issue because it's not actually going to show up to your audience it's not going to annoy your audience and you could still just like keep doing those shorts over and over again yeah yeah I forgot that there's shorts yeah we're on youtube <laughs> again now lev so we yes. have to get in we're about to we're trying to get our 4k hours so we can um I mean, we have I enough mean, followers we just don't have the podcasting and uploading podcasts to youtube is such a hack too for this mm-hmm. because like if you want to think about retaining a, an audience to watch you for four thousand hours using exclusively visual content that's kind of fucking hard man oh yeah Doing it mm-hmm. with podcasts where people just leave it on in the background the other one would be asmr like i mm-hmm. should literally start doing uh we should start doing Twitter ASMR so that we can get our four thousand hours yeah. in. Man. Well, that's that's Are the you uh, cat sounds. Open? Just uh, Lucas making it coconut. We're, we're, no, we're gonna we're gonna re-upload the uh, the interview of me and Marie when we're talking about how she was using the rose crystal obelisk to manifest her Tuesday sales. I want I want to get Marie on BTR soon. By the way, I don't know what she thinks of K-pop because I found this YouTuber, this Chinese girl who does these K-pop YouTube videos. She interviewed this guy who was talking one of the girl, one of the girls from Twice, the one who looks mm. like a bunny rabbit. Uh, Neon, I think her name is. You know, because you know the names, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but my favorite is not her. My favorite is Dahyun, the one who has this weird looking face. I don't know. Anyway, I don't want to get I don't want to get too deep into the. 
know K-pop, but I would all right. That would be super to... funny if Marie had like a strong opinion on K-pop. <laughs> I think I think if you mentioned it to her, she'd be like, "I don't really think about this stuff. That sounds weird. Are you weird?" <laughs> well, part of, part of it makes me want to bring her on with somebody who knows K-pop really well, because that's that's kind of what Break the Rules does. Like, I yeah, want to bring on people who have no idea what the fuck the other person is talking about and just put them in there. But as far as the meta game for YouTube, shorts is one thing. Another thing is, I mean, look, you guys, as well as Break the Rules, like, there is a treasure trove of shorts not shorts as in like the youtube shorts but shorts as in like short clips that can Mm. be extracted from all these fucking live streams because the people who are listening right now probably not the same people who started listening except for like a few dedicated people Mm -hmm. at the start so there's content that most people never end up seeing and break the rules for them it would be new content but at the same time chill fuel i think we went over this as well that has a tendency to backfire if somebody did see it already and you put mm. it up as a new a new quote unquote new clip that they're not gonna click on it. Goes, oh, yeah. I remember this is like from that live stream. I'm not gonna it watch this. It has the show. possibility to do that. I, I think that like you're more more likely to see that in, in somebody who generally creates shorter form content rather than something like a podcast. I mean if somebody who makes gaming videos makes like a top moments of the year one and somebody's watching and they're like oh i've seen all of these clips in their videos throughout the year then it's like okay that's not something they're gonna click away from and that could hurt you but on a podcast where it's like most likely most of the people that are subscribed to your channel are not going to have seen a given part of um a podcast it, it won't it won't do as much to hurt it i've okay. been thinking a lot about like what the cross posting meta looks like in terms of so you make a podcast and then from this podcast, you can extract uh, various little 30-second, one-minute-long clips, upload them to TikTok, YouTube Shorts, etc. You can take the full podcast and put it into a transcription service, and you now have Medium articles, Substack posts, etc., tweets. Like, what what can you get out of, like, one single podcast? How far can you juice it? Yeah. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of different ways to do it. And, like, podcasts are something that you can just have so much content out of, and... I think that the the harder question like becomes what how you can get that content to uh, all the other content that you're branching off from. Is that something that's actually going to benefit the core podcast when you get down to it? And and how what, what content is going to be the most productive to make to bring yeah. back viewers? My experience has basically been that the more stuff you put out there, the more you learn about everyone in a meta sense, and the more you can gear your efforts towards the things that actually do matter. Whereas, like, if, if you're not putting out anything, really, then, you you know, there's no feedback. You don't know shit. And let's say you just spam every platform with an overwhelming amount of information. At some point, something starts sticking and you say, okay, they like this. We can go mm-hmm. towards this. And you can abandon whatever isn't working. My big thing that I've been, and I have no idea if this is true or not, but if there's a good way to take group chat content and put it into a short form video, like TikTok style, I feel like that's kind of goldmine zone. If you can have an account with uh, create like a sort of drama with recurring group chat characters, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, mm. put funny little bits from interactions in there. But I have no idea how to. Yeah. Do yeah. yeah. That would be really hard, but that would be, that would be fun. Like uh, narrate mm. the group chat. Yeah. Mm. Cause like all of the genuinely funniest things that happen require the context of like ongoing knowledge of like the characters in a group chat to understand. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, very mm. interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunity for growth here. I know that I've been uh, 
slacking when it comes to the amount of content that can actually be produced from all of these break the rule streams no more the shorts the clips they're going to be put out there on a regular basis i think like thursday no, oh thursday is the stream friday saturday sunday the weekends may be very underrated i was given some advice earlier that weekends are the thing to focus on because most people are just chilling so yeah, yeah that December, could be Christmas season overall is mm-hmm. like the most ridiculous engagement time for all of social media. You should be stocking your uh, stocking the cannons, right? Mm-hmm. Getting getting ready to launch it all out there because you will. Yeah, what else do you have to do? Yep. Well, anyway, I think this just about wraps it up. I want to thank everybody here, Verse, Lucas, yes, Chill Fuel, and yep. of course, we do not have the great roboticist machinist <laughs> here right now. I don't know if it was like a uh, problem with the connection, but either way, I want to give him a uh, shout out because he is incredible, and I'm surprised that he's only 31 years old. I mean, fuck, that Even is more like, than I have. You know, yeah, exactly. Oh, and I think he turned, uh, so Matt Parlmer, he did it. If you go to his account right now, here's the link. He actually created a girl avatar now. (laughs) Let's go. We're going to influence all of Twitter meta. It's over. Oh, my God. Version Lucas is taking over the internet, I promise. It's the great bimbification. Uh, The good doctor, Dr. Don Wario, has uh, finally achieved his long uh, wanted goal. He has bimbified and sissified the entire <laughs> internet sissy. sphere. Yeah. No. And then after this is done, we're gonna monopolize the sissy rehab centers too. But like, listen, we are we're very close. We're on the cut. We're on the cutting edge. You, you and I included, like our podcast as well as yours. Uh, you have Mulbug on. Every all the famous internet. And, and next, you know who's coming up next? I'm going to have Alexander Bard with none other than the Perfume Nationalist. That's a fun combo. Hell yeah. It's a very interesting combo. I haven't talked to Jack in a long time. Anyway, that's very that's another another uh, can of worms there. Mm. But yeah, no, it's uh all these internet memes are come from the group chats. We're just taking over. Absolutely. And uh Chill Fuel Anything you want to say about Elon Musk and <laughs> Kaczynski before we go? Any fart, uh, farting, <laughs> any parting words? Um, that is losing it. I don't. I don't think I have anything to add um, at this point. I think. I think that I. I think I got to say most of what I wanted to about that. All right. Any words of advice for all the people who are watching here in their YouTube career? Um, if something's not working, try something else. <laughs> I have a whole slew of dead channels that are nice. a graveyard. So, um, oh yeah, yeah. Now I want to read before we go some Pelosi-related uh, uh, things from the chat over here. Because the good thing about our chat is that it goes right into Discord, so I could just search for any term and find it in the uh, entire yeah. history of the Break the Rules YouTube chat. So I typed in the word Pelosi. So what we get over here. Pelosi wanted, uh, oh no, this is from a different time. I'm going to read it anyway. Pelosi wanted machine gun nests in D.C., but an open border. Uh, Paul Pelosi fetish is feet with ingrown toenails. This is from Jackass Whiskey and Pinto Beans. Nice uh, name there. Name. Yeah. <laughs> and here's, not, here's one from What? The only thing I want to hear from Nancy Pelosi is what uh, shares she intends to trade. And another one from Jackass Whiskey, Pelosi, uh, Paul Pelosi's second favorite hammer is a roofing hammer. 
I don't. So, under, I don't get that one. There's actually a uh, a service that has I, some government yeah, regulation agency re- recently forced Nancy Pelosi to disclose her stock positions as she made them. There used mm-hmm. to be like a 60 day lag, and now it's as she enters them. I forget what it's called, but the the Nancy Pelosi tracker account is a a shill account for this protocol that actually exists on Robinhood, and you can apparently use. Oh, it's on Robinhood now. Yeah, I'm I'm that's I'm so shilling funny. very badly for this guy. No, no, that's uh, cool. But he did, he did ask me to write some tweets for him, maybe. So we'll get oh, him interesting. Yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, uh, usual whales used to track her profile too, or was it using? It was one of those like finance Twitter people. But yeah, that's interesting. And there and there is a, a comment for you, verse from Jack has whiskey and pinto beans. Verse Laloon, work on your spelling. Yeah. Right. No, absolutely not. I don't believe in. <laughs> I, I don't believe in. Uh, Fix, uh, removing typos. I used to be a great, great speller, and then I started using voice to text for everything, and now I can't spell anything with more than four letters. Mm. Listen, I think it's an aesthetic choice, personally. Like BAP. BAP likes to write in the, the content of what's being said. Words are a semantic container. The actual spelling of the words is almost irrelevant. Mm. That's how I cope with That's how I cope. <laughs> Okay, and one one final announcement that I wanted to say a bit of a teaser for those so uh, people who are not yet sure about the power of Break the Rules. Uh, we are going to have, I wanted to make two announcements. Break the Rules is going to have Rupert Sheltrake coming on for a oh, one-on-one wow. uh, interview. That is happening <laughs> next year. And also Ben Avery from the Tim Dillon Show is That's coming funny. on next year. So look forward to that. And if you, you want... Have we got Tim on yet? Oh, uh, I mean, look, I met the guy, but, uh, you mm. know, he's been <laughs> he's a busy guy. He's a busy guy. And also he's been shilling a lot for Russia lately. But anyway, uh, that's <laughs> that's personal. That's personal shit between anyway. Uh, OK, for those who want to keep in touch, here's the discord link. This is the link to the official Break the Rules discord. So keep in touch on the discord and also Patreon. I did not show the Patreon at all today. So patreon.com slash break the rules become a patron today there was recently a patreon only for a certain time only stream about uh, pitbulls a debate about pitbulls and the great thing about the patreon only streams is that when you become a patron you get to take part in them so you get to be in on the action obviously first come first served and probably like the more patrons there are going to be than like the $50 ones will get to come in before. Anyway, I'll work the whole system out right now. You are in the beginning stages of this though. So you are going to get first dibs as a patron to the various streams we're going to have. Bringing big people on for the patrons only as well. As well as the audio forms of the episodes after they come out. As well as if you guys like arts and crafts. My father, Alexander Polyakov. I mean, this is such a... It's such a strange thing to promote. But I really love these magnets. And I think you will too. Look at these. Maple, mahogany, ashwood, cherry. Look at the quality. I know, Verse, you're not seeing this. But you've probably seen I'm not them seeing before. It. No, but I've seen them before, yeah. I still yeah. have your dad's picture of me. Oh, hell yeah. That, that's right. Yeah, so my dad is incredibly talented. And he is going to make these beautiful wooden magnets for you for the $20 tier. And for the $50 tier, you are going to get a custom magnet. So whatever design you want, well, within within reason, my dad is going to make it. So once again, that is patreon.com slash break the rules. Break the rules brings everybody together, but it's only able to do so with your help. So become a patron today. And if you want to support Chill Fuel, Chill Fuel my brother, what is a good way for people to support you? 
Uh, YouTube.com slash chillfuel. YouTube.com slash chillfuel. Go there. Do you have a Patreon? Do you have anything of that sort? There, I, I, not not really like exactly just proper if I have them, but they the best way is just uh, is just through the channel. All right, so just go to youtube.com slash chillfuel, support chillfuel, and lastly, but certainly not leastly, uh, oh, well, first of all, okay, I have to, before you guys, I have to uh, set, kick me again and it's not letting me back in. God damn it. But anyway, listen, support Matt Palmer. He's a uh, wonderful creator of the robots that make the robots. Wonderful guest here. I wish I could pick his brain more about the way that a lot of these things work, but you could find him at twitter.com slash Matt Palmer. Also follow his substack, mattpalmer.substack.com. And mm. now you got the floor, fellas. Uh, Verse yes. and Lucas, uh, tell us about uh, what you guys are doing. Check out the Verse and Lucas podcast. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. It's uh, slash Verse Alone is the YouTube URL. You can find us on Twitter. It's at Verse and Lucas. Let's keep it simple. Um, you can find us both on Twitter. Check out our Substacks. You know, um, we're gonna have a Patreon next week. We've been uh, really bad about. <laughs> we still have the Patreon. I just don't think that there's anything you can buy on it, so there's no point to yes. show. We, hey, should, everybody, go check out our Patreon. There's no content on it, and you can't buy anything, but it is yeah. there. What's the link? Starting next week, it will. There'll be stuff there, but not right now. Is I it think, a version I, four, or is that the old? one? No, no, it's a different one. Though that one still exists, but um, the uh, podcast it's a slash uh, version Lucas, I, I believe. Unless it's a C in that one, I can't remember which URL has a C. I think that's YouTube. But yeah, it's slash version Lucas. Everything's slash version Lucas. And then my ad is at S-C-H-I-Z-O underscore F-R-E-Q. And we have at V-E-R-S underscore L-A-L-U-N-E. Yes, sir. Nice. One dream, by the way, that I have is if you guys can get like the original Lucas, even though he had like all those charges. Oh, yes. Like Lucas that room? would be... Yeah, wouldn't that be yeah, great yeah, yeah. if you guys got like the OG Lucas? That's what and... I named my Telegram group. Yeah, he named it Lucas. It's, room. It's we should get him. We'll, we'll get him on. Which, which confuses oh, yeah. everyone because then they come in and they're like, "Are you the nipple guy?" I want to manifest this. Yeah, I wonder if we could, we could make like a ro- uh, like an AI image of that rabbit like with the Lucas nipples like sitting in the uh... anyway. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> anyway, this is the end of the show. Thank you guys so much for watching. I appreciate it. That's it. Good night, everybody. 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 That's it. Good night, everybody.